Welcome to the Grave Plot Podcast. Hey, y'all. <laughs> Welcome to another exciting edition of the Grave Plot Podcast. <laughs> I'm Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. This is episode 54. Uh, I want to start off by saying I am hungover as shit today. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't want to deal with any of your bullshit. <laughs> and I'm drunk. No, not really. No, it's, 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 it's 2 o'clock. It shouldn't be drunk. That means it's 5 on the East Coast. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. <laughs> We're off to a good start. These are always the best episodes. <laughs> oh, fuck. Um, so what's new? Um, well, I just want to say, uh, just let everyone know, we are moving our RSS feed. Um, it shouldn't have any effect on you. <laughs> The end user, the only problem I can foresee, and it's not even really a problem, is it may mark all your episodes as unread, so you're going to have to go back and listen to all 53 episodes again. Yeah. I mean, you know, why not? I mean, yeah. You just bust them out a weekend. Yeah. yeah. I, do, I do it every week. I <laughs> yeah. That's all I do is just listen to just the Great Plot Podcast endless, endlessly and jerk off to my own voice. Yeah. I jerk off And then to Tony starts too. talking. I'm like, ah! <laughs> It's like when you get man ass in the porn. Yeah. <laughs> or his or his taint in his asshole. Who likes this? <laughs> um Yeah. So now that you've put everyone to sleep. <laughs> now that everyone's just envisioning balls and ass. <laughs> right, we did talk about sex, so maybe that woke it up. Baby, let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that could be. Let's talk about sex. Yep. Let's talk about sex. I remember in like, what, third, fourth grade when that came out, uh, everybody was singing it and teachers were not (laughs) happy about that. (laughs) Or parents, I'm sure. My parents, even though my dad is like... uh, uh, a, a, a curse artist. <laughs> um, he 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 did not appreciate the foul language coming from his children. Um, anyway, um, yeah. So what's new with you? Hmm. Not much. Not much. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like I said, I'm really fucking hungover. I. Tied one on last night. Didn't mean to. It just kind of happened. That'll happen. Yeah. And you didn't even record a movie. What? You didn't even... We weren't even watching a movie. Oh, yeah. That. That whole thing. What are you doing? Turn up the volume. Huh. Way too quiet. I Man, I fucking woke up this morning and like... You know, when you're hungover, you don't realize it until you move. <laughs> it's like I rolled over and my head was pounding and I felt nauseous. Okay. I don't know. I've had mornings, usually after drunken cinemas, <laughs> my eyes open and I go, oh, God, no. <laughs> yeah, we just finished recording our uh, interview that we'll have later here in the episode. Um, I was outside on a smoke and, you know, S- Seattle... Emergency vehicles, their sirens are unnecessarily loud. They are loud as shit. Um, and uh, one a fire truck came by. I'm sure you heard it up here in 
um, like it felt like it was inside of my head. <laughs> but, but I uh, like I, the dude from Scanners. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I I pounded an entire PD bottle of Pedialyte on my way up here, so I'm I'm, I'm waiting for that to take effect. And you, maybe you already seem better than you were when you got here. So yeah, I think I'm. It, it took me a while to wake up too, because you know I I had to be here at like twelve thirty. Which means I had to leave my house by like eleven thirty or so, um, and uh, I, I lost my train of thought. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> uh, what was I talking about? <laughs> Driving. Right. Um. Fuck. I hope the whole episode isn't like this. Me too. I'll fucking do it myself. <laughs> I don't remember where I was going with that. It's not coming back to me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, shit. Um, oh, right. We got home at like four in the morning last oh. night. And, uh, you know, went right to bed, but, you know, it still took me a while to fall asleep. And then I had to wake up at like 10.30, 10 10.45. So. Last night was the first time in like a week that they weren't doing the alarm testing at the uh, light rail station. So I actually nice. got like a full night of sleep. Oh, so fucking good. <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. I've been miserable all week. Yeah, why don't you elaborate on what you're talking about? Well, I live right across the street from a brand new light rail station and apparently they can't do alarm testing while the buses are still running. So they have to do them between 1 and 4 a.m. <laughs> and, uh, they're they're unnecessarily loud, and it's it's beep beep beep. Please evacuate! Please evacuate! And they didn't warn us that this was going to happen. <laughs> so the first night we're like, "Whoa, what do we do? <laughs> like, do we need to run? Like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> Where do we go? <laughs> oh, quick to the light rail! People jumping out uh, windows and shit. <sighs> yeah, it was a mess." <laughs> So that's it's it's still going. It's going to be going until the light rail opens, apparently, which is March nineteenth. Awesome, yeah. So I'm going to be a real pleasure to be around. Yeah, I mean, you're already like borderline intolerable. Yeah, I know. And now I'm just going to be angry and grumpy as well. Yeah. On top of being a hey, bitch. fuck you. <laughs> um. Anyway, anything else? Um. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think anything for me either. Um, I had I had <laughs> I had an issue with Fandango, where I went to buy tickets to a movie and they were all the same price. And usually it goes adult, child, senior. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, senior was at top, so I bought two senior tickets. <laughs> so I called Fandango and they're like, "It's usually not a problem, but you have to call the theater." So I called the theater. They answer the phone. Hello. Is this AMC? <laughs> like, oh, yes, AMC South Center. How can I help you? <laughs> <laughs> Forgot he's at work. <laughs> and, uh, so, you know, I told him what happened. He goes, yeah, we don't really care. We just print out the tickets. <laughs> so, basically, I'm going to buy senior tickets from now on. <laughs> yeah, there's a little secret for <laughs> you guys. Or, or child or whatever the fuck is the cheapest. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we went to the theater uh, earlier this week on Tuesday. Um, yeah, 
Tuesday, uh, and the our, our theater nearby us, um, Tuesday's discount night, like all tickets are six bucks, I think. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. But we got these free movie passes for Christmas from from my wife's mom. My wife. My wife. Um, and uh, yeah, we tried to use those, completely forgetting that it was the discount night, and the girl actually was kind enough to remind us. She's like, do you want to just pay for the tickets and save these because it's cheaper? <laughs> is, that, is that like half price? Uh, I think, yeah. Then she should have just let you use one for both of you. <laughs> well, it's like um, they renovated our theater. I don't think you've been there since they've done this, but they've got all – it's, it's kind of like the Cinerama here. It's like all easy chairs. I still stuff. haven't been there. Well, right, but you, but you know. Yeah, somewhat. Um, yeah, all, all the theaters are all easy chairs now. Sweet. Actually, I think like the, the bigger <clears throat> theaters, like every everything has – or every theater – has bigger auditoriums for more popular movies. I think those ones have regular theater seating down in the front, like probably about 10 rows maybe, but the rest of it, it's all those like easy chairs. And, you know, typically when you go in a theater, you just kind of pick wherever you want to sit. Um, for these easy chairs, you actually have to reserve and pick the chairs you want to sit in. Mm. So that's kind of a bitch. Because, like, even if you're, like, the first one in the theater, if the, you know, I, I prefer to sit in the back, like, yeah. the, the top the top back row, um, just so I don't have stupid asshole teenagers behind me. Um, yeah, I had that last night. Yeah. Awesome, isn't it? Um, so, even if you're the first ones in the theater, it's like, you, you can't that's, sit where you want. That's part of, I'm going to bring that up in the review, too, because there's, there's some funny shit happening while I was in the theater. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, anyway, these chairs are nice though. It does make it difficult to stay awake. <laughs> I, that's that's what I imagine. Yeah, yeah. It, it's fucking weird people go in there though. I mean, like same weird people that are always in a theater, but now they have like more room to do weird things because <laughs> like they'll take off their shoes and you know kick their feet up. It's like your fucking living it's room. It's like guys. your living room. God damn it! <laughs> people like brought blankets and shit. What the fuck? <laughs> What is going on? Are they homeless and they just like can only afford a movie tickets? So well, that's what the two dollar theaters for. Sure, yeah. Seriously, the two dollar theater in in my town, uh, homeless people just camp out. Yeah, they just especially like during the winter or like when the when the summers it's hottest, they'll go in there to either keep warm or keep cool. Makes sense. Yeah, I mean, why not? Yeah, two bucks, watch a movie, and <laughs> get out of the elements. But then, do they just like camp out for the rest of the day until somebody comes and kicks them out, or? Um, I imagine they'll get shuffled out at the end of the movie, but yeah, I, I don't know for sure. But hmm. those they'll come in like just regular theater seating. They'll kick their feet up on the row in front of them with their shoes off and, and just stink up the place. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's like they're homeless. What do they have to lose? Fair enough. <laughs> so <clears throat> we've been talking a while. Yeah, uh, maybe we do horror business now. Yeah, might as well. All right. All right, starting off with some real-world horror. True story. Uh, there's a new fad <laughs> going around uh, of dolls supposedly possessed with the souls of dead babies. 
This kind of ties into one of our reviews. Just a bit, yeah. Um, uh, apparently, it's getting really popular in Thailand. Um, they're called uh, Luktep t- dolls, also known as child angels, which adds a, another degree of creepiness to yeah. it. Um, uh, being made by a woman named Mei Ning, uh, who invokes the Hindu mother, invokes the Hindu mother goddess Parvati to place the soul of a child into the doll. So, you know, magic. <laughs> Voodoo. Uh, celebrities, of course, are all over this. Just like, you know, um, now is this the secret American celebrities, or is this specifically Thai celebrities? I, I don't know, but I'd have to assume that you know, judging the overall intelligence of an American celebrity, I'm sure Gaga's probably got like twelve. Oh yeah, just because she's a fucking creep. Yeah. <laughs> um, but celebrities are claiming that owning one brings them good luck. Sure. That's an absurd claim. Yeah. <laughs> Why would having a dead baby soul bring you good luck? Well, because the baby, the, the child angel watches over you. <laughs> so creepy. <laughs> what I'm wondering, is this like just any child spirit or is it like p- parents that lost their child and then have the spirit of the child put in the doll or... How does this work? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not uh, maining. She says invokes the Hindu goddess. Are people Hindu in Thailand? I have no idea. I thought they were mostly Buddhist. That's what, that's what I kind of gathered. There's, I mean, I, not to get theological here, but like, I think a lot of people consider Buddhism more as like a way of thought, kind of like Confucianism, rather than a religion. Mm. Um, since I, I don't, I don't really know that Buddha is considered like a deity. Interesting. So I don't know. I don't know either. Uh, people dress them and treat them like live children. So we're just really upping our creep game here. Yeah, I'm like I'm wondering if. The Boy, one of the movies we'll be reviewing later, is it actually inspired by these? Because this sounds pretty much like the story. It does, yeah. Um, weird, weird stuff. Uh, Thai Smile Airways. Which, by the way, is a great name for an airline. <laughs> Thai Smile? Come on, that's awesome. That, that just... sounds like a sex act. <laughs> she gave me the old Thai Smile. Is that when you find out that you're... Taiwanese, or no, not Taiwanese, uh, Thai, just Thai. Yeah, just Thai. <laughs> when your your Thai hooker is actually a man. <laughs> I hope not. The smile comes from the she-male, not you. <laughs> Nobody wants to find that. The Saigon whore that bit my nose off. <laughs> um, anyway, but yes, Thai Smile Airways is announcing that they're going to be allowing the child angel... <laughs> God damn. It's such a creepy name. Uh, owners to purchase a seat for their dolls and take them on flights. Seems like a waste of money. Yeah. I just put it in my lap. Yeah. 
or you know, in the overhead compartment. Sure, because it's a fucking doll, right? <laughs> um, so you know, if you're a total fucking creep and weirdo, and is into having fucking dead baby souls follow you around, look into this. <laughs> I'm gonna try and find the website. And- okay, Taylor's doing some research. <laughs> Oh, here's an interview with Mei Ning. Awesome. Let's get her on the show next episode. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, I don't know. There's, They don't have a website, apparently. <laughs> How do we buy one? I thought it would be like, you know, lucktep dot whatever the extension for Thailand is. TL? I don't know. Maybe. Check Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, go to Amazon.com. No, graveplotpodcast.amazon.com. Is that right? Amazon.graveplotpodcast.com. That's the one. And get free 30 days of Prime. Hey! And buy a luck tap doll. <laughs> because we're assuming they're on Amazon. Fucking <laughs> everything is on Amazon. <clears throat> So on top of drinking like all the whiskey last night, um, I between me and our buddy Brian, because I shared a fair amount with him, but I smoked an entire pack of cigarettes last night. That would be Brian Martin, star of Addicted to Halloween. Mm-hmm. Bonus man. <laughs> Bonus man. That's not even a thing. Uh, anyway, fucking creepy dolls. All right. Moving on. Feeling this story's going to go on a while. <laughs> uh, so David Bruckner and Nick Ancosta, both now formally of the Friday the Thirteenth re reboot, have spoken out about what their vision of the movie was going to be. Uh, starting with David Bruckner, who said, "When I came on board that project, Paramount was exploring whether or not they could do a found footage Friday." Verified. They were trying to do that. They were trying. Yeah. God damn them. Uh, and they brought uh, Bruckner in to crack it. I had some very specific ideas if we were going to do that. I felt it needed to be single camera. I didn't think you could bring a whole bunch of media into the room and that we had to do a kind of classic found footage movie, which makes sense. If you're going to do a found footage movie, it should be one camera. Yeah. What is classic found footage? What does that even mean? The Blair Witch. Uh, he went on to say, we were set free from that mandate and did a draft that was not found footage. We were allowed to truly explore what the film could be as a proper 80s reboot with that, what that would look like. My take on it was that I wanted to do Dazed and Confused meets Jason Voorhees. Ha ha ha. <laughs> a genuine last day of school coming of age story. Nick wrote a great draft and we really wanted to see that movie come to life. It was a very exciting process for me. I could kind of see that. Yeah, I, I, I could be totally down with that. see that. I mean, I don't... I don't want it to be dazed and confused with Jason. I mean, well, no. I'll, I mean, obviously not to that level of comedy and slapstick. But yeah, I mean, you know, dazed and confused. That was not eighties, seventies. But um, yeah, but a bunch of asshole teenagers coming out to the lake at the end of the school year. Uh, you know, to drink some beers and smoke some doobies, bang each other. Yeah, 
just a, a all out fuck fest. Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> fingers and everybody's assholes <laughs> don't even know where they're coming from. Playing who's in my mouth. <laughs> oh shit. But unfortunately, according to Bruckner, the studio is exploring some other options right now. We'll see what happens uh, to kind of further that premise. As long as Wooderson was in it, then I'd be okay with like it just being literal days confused. That's <laughs> far out, man. <laughs> Tell you what I love about coming up to the lake, man. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Uh, and Costa kind of confirmed some of these things, saying that Paramount and Platinum Dunes, boo, had a found, fuck Michael Bay had a found footage draft, and then I came in and did a page one rewrite to rethink to some degree, making it not found footage. Thank you, Nick Acosta, <laughs> our savior. Yeah, he's, basically, he came in day one and said, uh, no, that's <laughs> dumb. <laughs> uh, I worked really closely with David. His idea from the first meeting was he wanted Friday the 13th to have likable real characters and be set in the 80s. Jason shows up and shreds everybody. Boom! It's that easy, folks. That's how you make a fucking Friday the 13th movie. It's not an art form. Why is this movie not being made? Because fuck Michael Bay? Yeah, I think so. Because they want to... What's the hold up here? Because this is the... This is making a low-budget Friday the 13th movie like they did in the 80s. And that's not what Paramount wants. Paramount wants a multi-million dollar blockbuster. Dum, they, dum, 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 dum. Yeah, they don't understand that people will see it. Probably more people will see it if they make it a low-budget slash fest like they're it, they to used to be. They're trying to appeal to this mass audience. And we've talked about this before, that Friday the 13th is not a movie that's ever going to appeal to a mass audience. You know who it's going to appeal to? Friday the 13th fans. Yeah, and you know the people that you'll draw in are fucking stupid teenagers. Yeah. Uh, that just like, oh my god, it's a Jason movie. Let's go see Jason. <laughs> That'd be so dumb. <laughs> yeah, and then even if you make it for them, instead of, you know, actual Friday the 13th fans, they're not going to like it because no. it's not their thing. Yeah. So, hey, fuck. Uh, and Costa goes on to say, when I was working on Friday, I went back and watched the Paramount ones multiple times because that was the spirit we wanted. Now, check this out. Starting with the 80s Paramount logo and all that. That would have been fucking dude, awesome. Right off the bat, before the movie even started, you would have been like, dude, yeah, that's fucking awesome. Yeah, and, you know, I would have loved, like, they probably wouldn't have done this, but I would have loved it if they would have, like, actually put it on film. So it just had that, yeah. that grainy look of, yeah. of an 80s movie. That, it would have, that, God, they were onto something here. <laughs> yeah, they had it in their hands. And they let it slip away. (sighs) That was the plan, and we had a great time. It was an incredibly fun and rewarding creative experience. A while later, I heard they decided not to do it in the 80s. I'm bummed they didn't... Oh, wait a minute. This is news. So they're not doing it in the 80s now. Mm, They've completely thrown that out the window. (sighs) It's because the people at Paramount are real. (laughs) (sighs) Fuck my life. I'm bummed they didn't do the draft, but I'm more bummed that David is not on the project anymore. I'm not. Fuck him. This fucking found footage. I'm disappointed that Ancosta's not involved, because it sounded like Ancosta knew what the fuck he was doing. Yeah. 
And Costa's head was not up somebody else's ass. Yeah. And I mean, Bruckner, he at least, you know, he, he liked the idea. He was going with, with Costa's idea, not going with the found footage bullshit. Right. God damn it. God damn it. So that, this is going to make whatever they put out even more disappointing. Because this sounds great. Yeah. This is, this is like getting like half a head job. Yeah. Like, get you started. You know, you're a couple minutes away from popping, and then she just stops. <laughs> and then punches you in the face. Right. Once the movie actually comes out, that's going to be the punch in the face. And just backhands your dick. <laughs> what? Yeah. Just <laughs> right in the balls. Like, no! No, no while it's hard! <laughs> oh, ouchie. Uh, so, the moral of the story is fuck Michael Bay. Yeah. That's usually the moral of most stories. You know, I wasn't too excited when Bruckner came on because uh, it really seemed like they brought him on specifically to do a found footage movie. Oh, most definitely. Uh, because of his experience with VHS. I was a little more excited when Encosta came on. Encosta, of course, was involved with Hannibal. Um, and it sounds like he, he was right up the, the right alley. And now it's all gone. We're so close. We were so close. <laughs> uh, fuck my old boots. So who, who's the guy writing it now? I don't know. Some asshole. Oh, okay. Well, fuck that guy. We're still not going to do it in the winter. I'm almost positive. Oh, I'm sure not. Because why do that? Why do something awesome? You know, that that might be actually be... Not, not saying that they were going to do that, but something that everybody wants... They haven't done it, but and they could have potentially done it with this '80s remake, you know, '80s style movie. Yeah. But if they're going to do like a end of school year type thing, that wouldn't have made sense. True. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, we we're always, hoping for the best, expecting the worst. Yeah, as as we do with platinum dudes. Yeah. Uh, the team behind American Psycho is coming back together to create another Manson movie. By the way, happy birthday, Christian Bale. American Psycho. Word. Patrick, Patrick Bateman. Bateman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, God, aren't there like a thousand fucking did Manson? That one, did that one with Christian Risk ever come out? I don't know. I, mean, there's... I know there's so many. I've lost track. <laughs> Yeah, she's very busy, and I'm starting to feel like we're never going to see any of her movies because it <laughs> seems like they're never coming out. It feels that way, but I think maybe it's just because she's done so many recently that they're all kind of in post or something. Could be. Um, also, another one that never came to fruition was the one between uh, Rob Zombie and Brett Easton Ellis, author of American Psycho. Right. Uh but, uh, yes, they're coming together for a Manson film uh, aptly titled The Family. La Familia. Yep. Um, now, that's a pleasant title. I don't think this is going to give you the warm and squishies. Um, but uh, screenwriter Genevieve Turner 
and director Mary Heron. Guinevere. Huh? Guinevere. What did I say? You said Genevieve. Yep. Guinevere. That's what it is. You know, one of those fucking princess names. (laughs) They're all the same. Uh, It's based on a pair of books uh, written by Ed Sanders. They're true crime crime novels. um, One of them is by Ed Sanders. They're not both by Ed Sanders. Oh, excuse me. Um, Yes, true crime novel titled The Family. Uh, Also, The Long Prison Journey of Leslie Van Houten, uh, Life Beyond the Cult. It's a nonfiction book from uh, Carlene Faith. Um, Who, I I guess, uh, a fictionalized version of her will be the film's protagonist. So, Hmm. 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 So why would they fictionalize a true crime movie? Uh, America. That doesn't make any sense. Love it or leave it. These colors don't run. God damn you. <laughs> um, it's being described as a procedural that will focus on Faith's time with the three women at the center of the murder of Sharon Tate. So... <clears throat> Yeah, you know the Manson girls. Best best Charles Manson Manson murders adaptation to date is still Live Freaky Die Freaky. I don't know what that is. Oh, it's all done by puppets. Oh, you've told me about this. Yeah, all voiced by uh, like Billy punk, Joe Armstrong punk artists. Yeah, Billy Joe Armstrong plays uh, Charles Manson. Uh, <clears throat> Kelly Osbourne plays Sharon Tate. Sharon Tate wasn't British. <laughs> What's her name from uh, from Bill and Ted and the Bee Gees? Uh, oh, I don't remember her name. Yeah, she plays Squeaky, which is one of the one of the girls. Right. Well, so this is a thing that's supposedly happening. We'll see. I mean, this may fall by the wayside. Like, seems like every other Manson movie has done. Be interesting to see uh, Turner and Heron what they can do with. With a non-fiction, or with, yeah, with a non-fiction story, like the, the Manson murders. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, American Psycho is a great movie, and, you know, of course, anybody that's read it knows that a lot was left out. Yeah. But if it flo- flowed so seamlessly, like, even, like, there are parts in the book that weren't in the movie, but they were mentioned in the movie. But it's, it's like, because of his psyche... It's like it just kind of looped together. It's like it's not things you needed to see in the movie. So all very well done. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, it told basically the whole story without having the whole story in there. So It told what it needed to tell. Yeah. So if they can, you know, bring that same kind of magic to this, then sure. <laughs> and that same, like, I would be interesting to, to see if they bring that same kind of just jet black comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was something that was not um, not very prominent in the book itself. Mm-hmm. Like it was very uh, just dark. I mean, there wasn't a lot of comic relief in the novel itself, but that was provided in the movie um, mainly by the supporting characters, not so much Patrick himself. But um, did you see the uh, the Patrick Bateman tattoo flash that I posted last night? No. Oh, it's pretty pretty sweet. Yeah, it's him. And he's, he's holding like an axe and a chainsaw behind his back, <laughs> and 
and then there's a, there's like a Walkman at the bottom, and then there's a ribbon that says, I have to return some videotapes. <laughs> nice. Anyway, so um, I guess we hear more about this. We'll update you accordingly. This is going to be a rough one. So who's ready for some bullshit? Uh, as my cousin likes to say, fuck my old boots. <laughs> uh, Fox has ordered a pilot for, stay with me, The Exorcist. Mm. Um, <laughs> the one fucking thing that you just, you don't touch. Like, that was... An unspoken rule. You just, you don't touch the exorcist. You leave it. Yeah. Uh, there was rumors going a while back that uh, Morgan Creek started selling off a bunch of their properties, but the exorcist, as well as Major League, were two that they were like, no, you can't have these. These are ours. They're precious. And everyone was like, oh, well, clearly Morgan Creek is going to be remaking Major League. Uh, and the exorcist. <laughs> Sorry, I thought Taylor's more interested in Major League. <laughs> He's actually more upset about remaking Major League than he... I really am. <laughs> Nobody but Charlie Sheen can play Rick the Wild Thing Vaughn, okay? <laughs> um, but no, there was rumors around that they were going to remake The Exorcist, and they were like, no, we're not going to do that. But apparently they've been shopping the idea of an Exorcist TV show since 2013. Motherfucker. <sighs> uh, uh, and it just gets worse. It's written by Jeremy Slater, the guy who wrote Fantastic Four. Not the really bad one that just came out, though. Oh, not that one. <laughs> I don't think so. I, I mean, thought it we was We can double one. check, but... Well, he also wrote The Lazarus Effect. Which was shite. Which was not very good. You can go back and listen to our review of that if you want. We actually... Did we actually give it that bad of a review? I, I don't, don't think we did. I think it was kind of me- middle of the road. I think we kind of averaged, like, a six. No, I don't think it was that high. Uh, I don't know. But that might be that, that's so we review so many movies and you know we do it so frequently it's like we're constantly watching movies and so it's like you know you have to watch it and you have to give it like a like off the cuff rating basically and then you go back and you think god why did i give that such a high rating <laughs> yeah that happens a lot what were we just talking about the other day something i gave i, I babadook right the movie's shit. I fucking hate that movie. But apparently I gave it a, what, four? You gave it a five. Five. Yeah. You don't hate it. I fucking hate that no, movie. No, you just remembered that you hate it. You just talked in a circle. You remembered incorrectly is what I'm trying to say. Oh, pardon me. I gave Lazarus Effect a four. You gave it a six. Mm. Yeah. I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> uh, this is... I shouldn't be talking about this. I don't think this is uh, harming my credit as a movie movie reviewer. Yeah, well, I don't know. See, so clearly you remember things poorly. Fuck me, right? (laughs) Fuck you. Nope, he wrote the new Fantastic Four, the one that just came out. Oh, that was so bad. The really, really bad one. 
So this is going to be terrible. Uh, it's being described as a propulsive, serialized, psychological thriller. That's right. Fuck right off. Fuck off. God damn it. Following two very different men tackling one family's case of horrifying demonic possession and confronting the face of true evil. Two very different men. Is that what we said? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is it the, the priest? Old priest and a young priest? <laughs> Father Marin and Father... Probably uh, not. I mean, this is clearly going to be so far off the... the I, geez, yep. I'm so fucking angry. So far off the fucking rails is what I was trying to say. Oh, it's Fox. It's going to be absolute it's shit. Gonna, it's going to be like a rogue cop and like a fucking uh, family man. Oh, well, no. This is going to be basically, you know, it's it's serialized psychological thriller. It's going to be... Uh, every show that they do currently. It's going to be the X-Files. It's going to be the X-Files. <laughs> Precisely. Uh, I have very little faith this, this will have anything to do with Reagan. Oh, I, well, I'm hoping that the one family that it's talking about would, would be Reagan and her mom. It's, it, it's not going to be. I, I can already tell you it's not going to be. Um. Yeah. Fuck Fox. Fuck Morgan Creek. Fuck Jeremy Slater. Fuck it all. You know, like fuck living, fuck dying. Yeah. That song? No. It's by uh, Forces of Evil. Ah. Don't know it. No. Um. I think it's called the Fox song. Makes sense. It's an apt title. Um. But Fox, we've talked about this before. Every show is X Files. Uh, like you know, they're they're probably the most popular show right now, aside from the X Files. Uh, is probably like Sleepy Hollow, which is it's a cop who's got like kind of you know, it's like rough around the edges. Usually a female, usually a female cop that has you know. Um, like she said, she's kind of rough around the edges. She's like kind of like take no shit type attitude, um, and she's kind of a, a rogue cop almost. Um, either that, or she's very straight laced and you know very by the book. Uh, and then has this quirky, not cop, consultant investigator that is by her side at all times with some occasional sexual tension. That's Sleepy Hollow. That That's is, also Ash versus Evil Dead. Yeah, sorta. Um, but like, did you watch Lucifer? No. That's it, it's Lucifer. That I mean, that's what the show is like. It's it's exactly the same as Sleepy Hollow. Hmm. Except instead of being you know a uh, patriot from you know the with the late seventeen hundreds, he's. Satan. He's the devil. <laughs> and like, oh, God damn it. Apparently it's a comic. It's I saw a, that like a bunch of overly Christian moms are very angry about it. Yeah. And for some reason they're, uh, they're also angry at Olive Garden. Yeah. Because Olive Garden happened to have a commercial during the show. <laughs> Fuck off. Get lives. Go, yeah, have, really. go have sex. <laughs> um, God damn. But Lucifer, like, it wasn't 
bad. It was pretty like standard for Fox though. Like they didn't really do anything creative. Just super derivative. Yeah. And then, yeah, I, I guess this it, it's, it comes from a comic that is you know the comic Lucifer, which is actually um, the iteration of Lucifer that spun off of the Sandman comics. <clears throat> so it's got some inspiration from that. I don't think it's a direct adaptation; just kind of inspired by. And like I said, it wasn't terrible, but. It was it was Sleepy Hollow. It was X Files. It was The Exorcist. <sighs> so I have absolutely no faith in this whatsoever. Oh no, and it's fucking Fox. I mean, of all fucking networks. Like the worst possible network to get their hands on this. Shame on you, Morgan Creek. Shame. Yeah. Wow. And the thing is, is like people are gonna watch it just so they can bitch about it. But like that, us, yeah. But that, that, that's going to get their numbers. I mean, it's just like Lucifer. I think Lucifer did really well in the numbers, but I think it's because everybody wanted to see how do you make the source of all evil a good guy? Yeah. <laughs> how does that work? Anyway, so fuck this. <sighs> fuck my old boots. So the WGN show Salem is coming back for a new season soon. <laughs> um, anybody that watches it knows that the theme song is actually performed by Marilyn Manson. It's really catchy. It's I mean, it's creepy as hell, but it's it's catchy. Really? Yeah. I don't think I've heard it. Really? Okay. Have you, have you, you haven't watched the show, have you? I have not. Yeah. Well, that's not for everyone. It's, it's, it's painfully slow at times. So, I mean, it's, it's, you got to really stick with it to get anything out of it. And, you know, when I have time to kill, it's just kind of what I do. Um, but, uh, yeah, so Marilyn Manson does a theme song and now he's actually going to be appearing on the show. Uh, he's going to star as Thomas Dinley, who is the barber and surgeon, because that's how they did things back then. (laughs) He's a cutter. He just cuts things. <laughs> Hair, skin, flesh, whatever. Cut. Well, it's like, actually, you know, back in those times, barbers were also dentists and surgeons. So you would just go in and just be like, give me the full package. Yeah. Just give me a head to toe. <laughs> they cut your hair, clean your teeth, take out your appendix. Two bits. <laughs> Two bits. Um, yeah, so he's going to be surgeon. Uh, he's the go-to for a shave and a haircut. Two bits. Two bits! <laughs> no tune can avoid the old shave and a haircut bit. <laughs> um, uh, also being leached, bled, sliced open, or sewn up. Um, continuing its bloody, sexy, and fantastical reimagining of colonial America. It is sexy as fuck. So sexy. I don't know how they get away with some of the shit they do. Oh, yeah? 
Yeah, like there's like, like blood orgies and shit. Yeah, actually, nice. Um, I, actually, maybe it wasn't blood. It was like mud or jism, mire or something. Mung, <laughs> mung <laughs> <Mung> wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> Go back and listen to our review of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Please do. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> Um, yes, uh, Salem's third season is starting with the triumph of a of the witch's plan to remake the new world by bringing the devil to Earth. With the devil, the devils, <laughs> uh, and ma- making Salem his capital. But the new devil, or sorry, but the devil is a liar, and instead of a new world free from murderous Puritan hypocrisy. Uh, his own plan will bring nothing but death and slavery with the ultimate aim of leading humanity to destroy itself. Go fig, right? <laughs> I mean, who would think that, like I mentioned before, the source of all evil is a bad guy? You don't say. He's not here to help. Uh, there's only one person who can beat the devil. Batman. Yep. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Twist. Uh, Cinematic Universe. Brought to you by executive producer M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> <laughs> and Zack Snyder. God. Uh, fuck me. Um, the very witch that birthed him, his mother, Mary Sibley. Uh, the only problem is she's dead. Or is she? Spoilers. Uh, production on Salem's third season started last week. In uh, Louisiana. Louisiana fast. <laughs> is that a Popeye's commercial? I think so. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to this. Um, Could be cool. <laughs> I, I like the show. I know it's not everybody's cup of tea, and I, you know, I see a lot of bad reviews about it, about it. Basically, the same caliber of complaints that you get about Walking Dead. That it's, you know, you know, not enough zombies. You know, it's too much of a soap opera. It's like, the same thing could be said about this. I mean, there's usually some involvement of, like, witchcraft in every episode. But it's just, it's very slow. Um, but, like I said, if you've got time to kill, then... And you've, you've, got, you've got an attention span that lasts more than a minute... <laughs> Then you could, you know, you could enjoy this. So there are worse things to watch. And if you like Marilyn Manson, that's a bonus. Yeah, I'm. I'm curious to see what he's going to look like. Oh my god, have you seen the picture of him where like the it's a it's a meme and it says Marilyn Manson is turning into Nicolas Cage? No. Oh my god, it's a picture of him like recently. He looks so much like Nicolas Cage. <laughs> uh, god, he was. God, uh, he was in a movie recently where he looked. Mostly normal. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> he also looks a little like M. Shadows. Like an older M. Shadows, yeah. yeah. M. Shadows let himself go. Wow, that's weird. <laughs> that's creepy as shit. <clears throat> anyway. So look out for this. Watch Salem on WGN on Tuesdays at 9. Is that right? I don't know. I don't know. I, <laughs> I think I watch it on Hulu. I don't get dumb. Watch, watch it on Hulu. 
I think it does premiere in the fall, though. I think that's when it comes out. This fall on Hulu. Watch it. Or don't. (laughs) What am I, a cop? So streaming service Shudder has teamed with Sundance for a new collection. Uh, those of you who aren't familiar with Shudder, they are a uh, horror movie aggregator. Is that the right word? Sure. They they make these collections of movies based on uh, content or director or something similarity. So now they're teaming with Sundance for a new collection called Midnight at Sundance. Um, for those of you unfamiliar. Get it? Midnight at Sundance is when they usually show their dark weird creepy horror movies uh currently screening 31 and um uh yoga hosers and i think the, the greasy strangler so greasy so, shit that i want to see um <laughs> that you probably won't forever <laughs> probably not for a while stupid fucking sundance god damn it fucking colorado isn't it utah even worse <laughs> uh in this midnight at sundance collection you will find dead snow Great movie. Uh, Donkey Punch, which is... A sex act? That's when you're banging a chick from behind and you punch her in the back of the head. Isn't it when Um, you're fucking her in the ass? It has to be in the ass, yeah, because it tightens up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because she got punched in the head. um, uh, (laughs) Why it's a donkey punch, I don't know. Funny story, when I was in high school... Maybe because of the ass. we, We had a band play at one of our events called Dr. Donkey Punch and the Meat Hooks. <laughs> and everyone was like, wow, they do not know what that means. <laughs> um, meat hook is when you stick your finger in the girl's butt and hook it. Uh, also, <laughs> excision. Uh, fucking grace, kid. <laughs> fucking Paul Solid, dude. Fucking. Uh, Hobo with a shotgun. Have you seen Hobo with a shotgun? I have not. Oh, it's so fucking weird. I that's I'm not into it. I mean, like it doesn't appeal to me. Uh, one of the best scenes: there's a guy in a sewer, and just his head is sticking out of this manhole. And they take barbed wire and wrap it around his neck, and then tie it to the back of a chi- of a uh, motorcycle. And then the motorcycle drives off, and it just cuts the guy's head right off. <laughs> because that would happen. <laughs> um, Sept- Septian? I don't know what Septine? that is. The Pact. Time Crimes, Troll Hunter, which I've heard good things about, still haven't Troll seen. Troll Hunter. Troll <laughs> Hunter. <laughs> uh, and VHS. Yay for VHS. Hey, it fell apart there at the end. <laughs> Started strong. <laughs> ended shit. Um, yeah, if you, if you have Shudder, then, you know, definitely check. feel free to check those out. Uh, if you don't, it's five bucks a month. It's really not a bad deal. I checked. I, like, you get a, a free trial mm-hmm. uh, for what's five days or something like that. I think seven. Okay. Um, yeah, it's not bad. I mean, I had trouble because they don't have an app. Well, I mean, sorry. Uh, if you have, like, a, a Apple TV or Chromecast or anything, they don't have an app for that. You can supposedly stream it. I had trouble streaming it to my Apple TV. I know it worked well for you on your Chromecast, right? No, not for me. For you. 
for whatever reason, their iOS app has Chromecast support, but their Android app, you know, Google, you'd think they work together. Uh, their Android app does not have Chromecast support. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, you know, like I, I got it to throw to my um, Apple TV, but it just kept buffering, if I remember right. Hmm. And like I know it's not my internet connection because I I pay for a good internet connection, so something's wrong with their shit. But apparently that does, it's not the case for everyone. So, like Taylor said, it's like five bucks a month or something like that. Hmm, I'm saying I don't have an account anymore. Didn't they give you? You said they gave you one through the end of the year, right? Yeah, it's a new year though. That's probably why you don't have an account. Well, I thought I would have one. I just thought it would start charging me again. Oh. Yeah, if you can't get it to work through Apple TV, email you. Maybe they'll give you a free month or something. Well, I, I gave up. Yeah. Oh. Well, never mind then. But yeah, I mean, tons of tons of shit on there. Some hard-to-find shit, like real underground stuff. Uh, like Hooker in a Trunk is on there. It's the only place I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. Um, dead Hooker in a Trunk. Yeah. You got to add that. Right. And she's dead. Yeah. <laughs> Look at all these hookers. <laughs> Look Look at all these dead hookers. No, they're not dead hookers. <laughs> Look, pal, I know a dead hooker when I see one. <laughs> Dirty work. Oh, that movie's so good. Norm McDonald's best work. Even better than The Colonel. <laughs> yes. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, like, a, a lot of their movies, admittedly, are like on Netflix. So if you already have Netflix, it may not be worth it to you. But for five bucks, it's kind of a good supplement. Yeah, like like you said, I mean, there are a lot of uh, lesser known things that are kind of hard to find. So, um, I mean, if you're if you're into that and you if you can validate it in your mind, I mean, that's what's most important. Then yeah, check it out. Even if it's try it out for a month. I mean, I mean, and like you said, there's a, a free trial, so sure, yeah, got nothing to lose. <laughs> <coughs> Christ. So Netflix has really ventured into original stuff. Uh, I mean, everybody is obviously familiar with a lot of their series or you know their, their television series, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, they—I don't think they've made a lot of movies. I mean, I know they do. Obviously, the the, the episodic series—they have a lot of stand-up specials. But I, I can't recall any actual movies that they've done. Can you? Uh, they just did one with Adam Sandler, uh, The Ridiculous oh, Six. right. But I think that that's the only one that comes to mind. Yeah, that's the only thing I can think of. Um, yeah, I, I can't think of anything. But uh, they're really up in their, up in their shit here. Nope, not up in their shit. Up in their game. All up in that shit. <laughs> uh, and they're working on three new horror movies. So, you know, appealing to their audiences. Um, <clears throat> first one, titled ARQ. ARC? I think it's ARC. Okay. Um, written and directed by Tony Elliott. Not familiar with him. Me neither. Yeah. Uh, 
story of an engineer trapped in a house and surrounded by a gang of mysterious masked intruders who must protect a technology that could deliver unlimited energy and ends the war end the wars that have consumed the world. The catch, the technology has created a time loop that condemns them all to relive the same day over and over. So it's uh, the purge mixed with Groundhog's Day. Yes. <laughs> uh, second one, Clinical, uh, directed by Alistair Legrand uh, of The D- Diabolical. Uh, dark thriller in which a psychi- psych- <laughs> psychiatrist, Vanessa Shaw, that's the actress, not the, not the character name. Yeah. Well, maybe it could be. Maybe she's playing herself <laughs> as a psychiatrist. Um, tries to put her life back together after a violent attack. As her past continues to torment her, she seeks to repair the life of a new patient with his own terrifying history. Legrand and Luke Harvis have written the script. Uh, third movie. Uh, I am the pretty thing that lives in your house. It's an interesting title. A faceless old woman that lives in your house. Yeah. Or the secret lives in your house. Uh, stars Ruth Wilson as Lily, a young nurse. The pretty thing that lives in the house. <laughs> a young nurse hired to care for elderly Helen Bloom, a best-selling author of, a, of ghost stories who has chosen to live out her final days in her beloved country home, a home that holds a horrific ghost story of its own. Bob Balaban and Lucy Boynton co-star. I don't know who any of those people are. Bob Balaban? He's in all those Christopher Guest movies. Like, how am I supposed to take him seriously? You know Bob Balaban. He's like a he's a sh- short little guy with a beard, bald head, um, like circle glasses. He played uh, the NBC executive on Seinfeld. Oh! Yeah. From the Muppets Take Manhattan. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> if you like. <laughs> um, I don't want to see any of these. No. <laughs> I mean, Vanessa Shaw's cute, but I don't know. That's enough to make you want to watch it. Yeah, none of these sound all that entertaining. Do not expect reviews of these on the Grave Plot Podcast. Just, you know, don't build up your hopes. So that's that. We don't know when they're coming out, I don't think. But, uh... Someday. At some point, they will exist. Probably. They will come into our world. (laughs) Probably. So, H.P. Lovecraft's At the Mountains of Madness has, has long gestated in the uh, development hell, as far as a movie adaptation goes. But apparently it's now being developed into a video game. Uh, this is just It's just an indie PC game. I'm not sure who exactly is developing it. Um, I'm sure someone could look it up and find out. Um, <laughs> That's me, sorry. <laughs> uh, in this game, you play in first-person perspective as geologist William Dyer, a professor at Miskatonic University in the 1930s, who hopes to deter a planned and much-publicized scientific expedition to Antarctica in search of undiscovered fossils and zones unexplored by man. Um, 
that obviously doesn't give you the full scope of At the Mountains of Madness, and I'm sure there will be monsters of some kind. Some fucking Elder God shit. Yeah, some kind of squid thing. <laughs> so many people are yelling right now. <laughs> Cthulhu! Yes, I know. Uh, this is coming soon to Steam, so if you were hoping to play it on your PS4 or your X-Bone, you're sorely disappointed. Um, Sorry! <laughs> uh, if you want more information, you can go to mountainsgame.wordpress.com and find out more about when it's coming and who it's being developed by. I'm working on it! <laughs> what is it again? <laughs> what have you been doing this whole time? <laughs> Trying to find something. Um, let's see. Team Clockworks. There you go. Developed by Team Clockworks. And they already have a Cthulhu 3D model render on their Twitter, which is Mountains Game. And hey. I'm going to follow them right now. Yeah, you are. Wait, that's Cthulhu? No, that's not. Oh, I say that's a bullshit Cthulhu. That is. <laughs> not bad. Not bad. So yeah, check that out if you're into video games or HP Lovecraft or all of the above, like Max Seleski. Calling you out by name. Play the game, Max. Do it, Max. Come on. Play the game. Everybody plays a game. Queen. Queen song right there. Thanks. Thanks, Tony. Sometimes I sing Queen on the weekends. New comic. Um, Army of Darkness Furious Road coming out. Coming out now. Right about now. Right about now. Um, 20 years from now, the Deadites and their Army of Darkness have succeeded in bringing down the Western civilization. Uh, an unexpected upshot of the demons taking over was... What? An expect, unexpected upshot of the demons taking over was supernatural speechy, speechies. Speechies. <laughs> mean no species good. <laughs> That's another name for the talkies. Uh, God damn, now I'm all I'm derailed. Uh, supernatural species such as vampires, witches, and werewolves uh, forming an uneasy alliance with humanity in order to survive. The only hope for both mankind and monsters alike is a ritual that will send the deadites back to hell, the hell, the hell that birthed to them. Ah, oh, man, I'm really doing well today. Uh, but first, a ragtag crew that includes the Frankenstein monster and Eva, the daughter of Dracula, have to track down the fabled spellbook known as the Necronomicon Ex Mortis and deal with its guardian, a certain Ashley Ash Williams. That's not his middle name. It's a nickname. Oh. <laughs> he doesn't go by Ashley, if, if you've noticed. A Ashley J. Williams. His uh, middle name is J. It's Johan. Osito. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Uh, first issue comes to comic book shelves March 2nd. So, as an advocate of supporting your local comic book shop, don't buy it on Amazon. Go to a comic book shop and buy it. But if you are going to buy it on Amazon, go to amazon.greatflotpodcast.com. Right. <laughs> this is like Army of Darkness meets Mad Max. I guess, yeah. Uh, I mean, the title Furious Road even seems like they're like trying to directly rip off Mad Max. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, uh, have you seen the cover? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty much identical. Well, not identical, but it, there's definitely a Mad Max theme to it. So check it out. Groovy. <laughs> Bruce Campbell, everyone. <laughs> mad balls, mad balls. Gross for one, gross for all. We play with a mad ball. They're gross, funny, yucky, sick. There's eight, so you can take your pick. We throw, catch, it's uh-oh fun. There's so much gross in every one. Freaky fun is what they're for. There's so much ugly, so much more. Gross so if you're like Tony and I, <laughs> you grew up in the 80s. And you remember fucking Mad Balls. Mad Balls. That was the theme song to Mad Balls. <laughs> and, uh, it's eerily similar to Troll Hunters. <laughs> Troll Hunters. Uh, for those of you who weren't familiar, who didn't grow up in the 80s or didn't have awesome things. They're little babies. Uh, mad Balls were just these little soft, squishy balls. <laughs> Phrasing. Phrasing. <laughs> Uh, with, like, awesome, gross monster faces on them. They were pretty pretty great. <laughs> yeah, they were awesome. Well, they're back! Yes! Uh, they're now called Mondo Balls because they're made by Mondo and branding. Right. Uh, the first three characters are Slobulus, Skullface, and Hornhead, all of which were favorites from the 80s. Hey. There's also a brand new one featuring Marvel's Venom. That looks pretty badass. It does look pretty badass. <laughs> uh, so obviously they have some kind of uh, rights negotiation with Marvel uh, as well as other entities because future Mondo Balls will have characters from the Gremlins, Lil, Lil Gizmo, Bright 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 as well as Friday the 13th. Hey. We're talking Jason Madballs, people. Oh, I'm I'm all over that. Tony's getting eight. I'm gonna buy all of them. You can't have any. <laughs> He's just gonna make a ball pit <laughs> in his living room. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> his wife's gotta come home. He'll just be laying in it. She'll be like, "What are you doing?" He'll be like peeing. <laughs> I don't know why he's peeing. Because that's what you do in ball pits. Peeing in the ball pit, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and Mon- you come out with wet socks. <laughs> uh, uh, Mondo's creative director, Brock Otterbacher. <laughs> All right. Uh, he says, this line is one of the most fun projects I've ever had a chance to work on. We're super excited to launch these gross little guys. Uh, if you want to get yourself some, some mad balls. I'm not calling them Mondo balls. I'm sorry. They're fucking mo- mad balls. Yeah, I don't give a shit. Uh, if you, if you want to get yourself some mad balls... Uh, Pre-order them at Mondo Tees. That's T E E S dot com. Yeah, and you know we had this discussion when we were kids. Mondo balls were like, or sorry, Mad balls. Uh, mad balls were like five dollars. These are no doubt going to be like twenty. Oh yeah, nineteen ninety nine probably. Yeah, because Mondo Tees is a, is a little boutique shop. 
um, that makes um, like pop culture shirts mostly. Um, and yeah, the, because they have the rights to it and because they're probably making them in small, small amounts, it's no doubt going to be, there's going to uh, be a good price point for them. For sure. Uh, so on to remains. Uh, Underworld TV series is in the works, apparently. <laughs> Hearing this for a while, though. It's like, mm, so we set the series on fire. We stomped it out with boots, and now we're hitting with a shovel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but creator Len Wiseman told Collider, yes, there's been a lot of conversations and even development on what the series would be. It's really appropriate for television. Apparently. Okay. <laughs> According to whom? Um, in terms of how those characters can really tie in, but also become something new. It's really an attractive space. I don't want to put a date on it because then that's going to be printed and I might not happen to have it in that time frame, but it, it is a thought. So maybe it's not solid. It's it's in the works in a very preliminary sense. Yeah. They're thinking about it. Um, Tom Cruise has officially joined The Mummy, which is coming out June 9th, 2017, and nobody cares. They're really just cementing this like being a bad movie. Yeah. If there was any inkling for me to see it, it's gone now. Yeah. You know, I have a love-hate relationship with Tom Cruise. I really like the Mission Impossible movies, and he's badass in them, but I hate everything else about him. I really like Rain Man. Sure. I like Cocktail. Yeah. Pretty much his 80s stuff. Yeah. Before he joined Scientology. (laughs) Well, I think he's been a Scientologist for a long time. Oh. Whatever. No, I find him a deplorable human being. Uh... I don't like anything about him, but I can't help but watch a lot of his movies. <laughs> but not this one. No. Because this is going to be really bad. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of oh, really bad movies. Was that me? Is this one me? Yeah. Sorry. Uh, Amityville Awakening gets an April Fool's joke. Uh, <laughs> well, April Fool's Day release date. Which makes sense because this movie is a joke. Yeah, if you remember, this movie was like had a release date of last year, and then it and didn't, then, and, then, and then they just didn't. <laughs> Psych. <laughs> uh, but in case you care to remember, uh, Belle, her little sister, and her comatose twin brother move into a new house with their single mother, uh, in order to save money to help pay for their brother's expensive healthcare. Uh, but when a strange phenomenon. It's a phenomenon. <laughs> begin to occur in the house, including the miraculous recovery of her brother, Belle begins to suspect her mother isn't telling every telling her everything and soon realizes they just moved into the infamous Amityville house. How do you not know? Yeah, how do you not recognize those fucking windows? Well, how... I, I don't know if this is going to, like, be based in reality or not. I mean, the original Amityville house doesn't have those windows anymore. This is true. But, uh... uh it's being directed by Frank Calhoun who was the man behind the Maniac remake, which Taylor liked more than I did. But yeah. I think uh, I think the general consensus was a, was pretty good. I just, this is a bad script, and I don't think, I, I think fucking Jesus could direct this, and it would still suck. <laughs> Taylor has a very 
uh, emotional bond with the original Amityville. The original Amityville is great. Everything else since has been shit. <laughs> I, uh, I like the remake. <laughs> what we do in the shadows spinoff that we I think we've talked about on the show before. I don't know uh, that we have. I thought we did. I wanted to fit it in for a review at some point, but like I think when it was released, we already had. We we to commit ourselves to movies several months in advance. So. Do it for Week of the Vampire. I could. Um, well, it's it's got a spinoff officially. Uh, it's it's going to be about the werewolves from What We Do in the Shadows. Uh, the werewolves, not swearwolves. Um, <laughs> and it's going to be titled We're Wolves, as in We Are Wolves. Right, but like where werewolves? Right. It's a play on words. Right. Um, if you haven't seen what we do in the shadows, uh, you should get on that. It's on Netflix. Oh, is it now? No, I watched no. it on a plane. You watched it on a plane? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I it's it's on HBO, I guess. So if you have HBO or you know HBO on demand, you can check it out there, <clears throat> or you can you know rent it. Yeah, but it's, it's really good. It is. Um, and um, the guy that I'm totally spacing out his name out the guy that plays the the lead uh, werewolf the alpha male he is uh, Reese Darby that's his name he is fucking hilarious yeah he is I, I love him in everything he does because he's just like this, like looking at him you want to laugh <laughs> no. yeah. he's just he's not just, like laugh at him but he's just he's just got that aura about him yeah but anyway continuing on this is me. Yeah. God damn. I keep getting thrown off here. Um, American Horror Story season six apparently might be about Slender Man. Uh, okay. Someone else wrote the script. An American Horror Story wants to adapt it to the sh- to fit to the show. Says U.S. Weekly. Or is it Us Weekly? I don't know. I think it's Us Weekly. Um, they have to buy the rights. Then they're going to figure out the cast from there. So. But, so basically some guy who won't put his name on it is saying this might happen. Yeah. And this was... It sounds very preliminary, and I don't put a whole lot of stock in it, but... This strikes me as a bloody disgusting story, but I think the first place I saw it was iHorror, which was disappointing. Well, I mean, it started with U.S. Weekly, so... Yeah. Who knows? Uh, bad news and good news. Bad news, they're making a sequel to Mama for some fucking reason. That was so bad. Mama was so bad. Yeah, it was. Uh, but the good news is that the team who made Starry Eyes is is jumping on board, uh, the team of Dennis Widmer and Kevin Kolsch. However, neither star Jessica Chastain or executive producer Guillermo del Toro will be returning. So, uh, okay, that's a, that's a thing. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Fuck it. Yeah, Starry Eyes was good, so that's a plus. Yeah. Mama was bad. That's a minus. Yeah. Uh, no Jessica Chastain or Guillermo del Toro. That's another minus. If you've seen Mama, you may be in the same boat that, like, you don't even know how they're going to make a sequel. Yeah, that too. Unless it's, like, a completely different Although I also story. read that it's, yeah, that it's not going to be tied to the first one. Okay. So why make it? Yeah, and even that doesn't make sense. I mean, I won't spoil the movie, but... It doesn't make sense. Who knows? Maybe they're fucking rebooting it already. (laughs) 
So that's it for horror business. Um, I tell you what, guys, we have an interview on tap for you. It's pretty, 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 pretty good. Special guest star Larry David in the house. Um, but uh, we did an interview with um, a guy who is producing and directing a documentary based on everybody's favorite childhood book or series of books. Not Goosebumps, aside from that. Scary Carl Stein, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> no. Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Everybody remembers those. Everybody was upset when they changed the art. Because <laughs> the new art is fucking sucks. It's bullshit, yeah. But uh, our special interview with... Cody Merrick. Let's check it out. Sit down. Let me talk to you, kids. I'm going to tell you what a story. It might get a little gory, but I promise you that it will not be boring. When you get back at night, there's really monsters. I'm telling you this because I've really seen them. They're scary and hairy and eat up the kids with big old teeth. And so you better be ready to run with the evil. All right. I, I, get, uh, I get my last name mispronounced all the time, so I'm sure I can yeah, sympathize. Yeah. <laughs> This is, yeah, uh, I've been correcting people all my life, so it's very, very normal. Yeah, yep. Hey, everyone. This is Skeletoni. And this is Taylor of Terror. And we are here with a special guest today, uh, the uh, cultivator and um, creator of... Uh, also producer and director. Yes. Um, of an upcoming uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark documentary. Uh, I'm sure we all remember and have fond memories of those books when we were kids. But uh, here he is, Cody Merrick. How you doing, Cody? Good, good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming on. It's uh, nice to have you here. Um, so, start out with, um, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about your uh, your, your background and um, kind of how you got to the, your, your, your point here where you're, you know, directing and producing sure, sure yeah um so uh been producing um education related uh materials videos for years and um kind of got in my head to do a documentary and to to be honest it started with kind of wanting to do a documentary about the importance of literacy and literature to kick with kids and this came along as the perfect subject to be honest, not that I'm not a fan. I'm actually, I grew up with this book. I grew up uh, all kind of reading, you know, scary stories all, all you know, uh, all through my childhood. But um, it was really the angle where it's like, okay, you've got the most challenged children's book of the last 30 years, along with the fact that it has a huge, it's hugely popular. It got a lot of kids reading and it got a lot of kids interested in art. Um, I, I saw it pop up just over and over again as far as uh, a nostalgic, I love these books. These were the books that got me into, you know, getting interested or getting interested in Dean and Jenna. Now I'm reading Stephen King or whatever other author, you know, this was kind of my introduction into it. And uh, so it just, it, you know, that paired with the fact that it's, uh, it was, has been challenged, at, you know, and taken out of library so much, you put those together, I think you make a really interesting story. Cool. And so these books were a, a pretty uh, integral part of your, your childhood? Yeah, 
I mean, it, it was it was in amongst all the other ones that people often, you know, uh, mentioned. Uh, certainly, uh, R.L. Stein and, and I think I read more Fear Street than than Goosebumps. Everyone thinks of Goosebumps, which I read some of, but I think I quickly moved to Fear Street. Um, uh, and then and the, absolutely these. I mean, uh, it's one of those. I probably return to it like a lot of people years later. It, that pops up online the images and certain stories. It's like. Oh yeah, I love those when I was reading those when I was you know thirteen, fourteen years old, whatever <laughs> age I was. And so, um, so I probably return to them. And I mean, that's the thing. That's the interesting thing about the internet that these things pop up on some kind of nostalgia website or somewhere or a horror website or whatever that you're just browsing and you're suddenly taken back to you know your childhood when you love those books. You know, um, so yeah. I mean, I definitely kind of. <clears throat> these, you know, in my 20s, I'm in my 30s now, and, and uh, just like a lot of people. Yeah. So you said that you, you read a lot of other horror books, too. Did you also watch, like, a lot of horror movies? Sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a Freddy guy. <laughs> I've... Uh, uh, a lot of people, you know, prefer certain um, uh, mass murder, you know, murderers at once, certain franchises over another. I like a number of them, but um, I don't know. Freddy was always one of my favorites. I remember watching that when I was way too young, <laughs> and and, uh, and enjoying it. And you know, I'm I. I've always been a little bit of a, you know, uh, someone who likes to write and tell stories in general. And so I remember Freddie was fighting, you know, um, I don't know, uh, Batman or whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's the, those are the stories you're coming up with when you're, you know, 10 years old. Oh, wouldn't it be cool, you know, and so on. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I definitely have been watching, you know, scary movies since, since I was a kid for sure. Well, don't give Michael Bay any ideas for Freddy versus Batman, <laughs> or you Zack know, Snyder for that matter. I, and, and I know they're talking about another reboot, and I can't not be interested in it. It's like it just like even though it may not be very good, I want to see him try it again. I, it may not be as successful, you know, and so on and so forth. But I can't help it. It's just a such a great creative character that like and the story the idea of it with the it's a boogeyman but it's like the ultimate boogeyman in so many ways for me anyways and so i'm you know i can't help but you know hope that they reboot it well the next time around did you like so. the remake um you can say not, no <laughs> that's the correct answer honestly from a Somewhere in the script, I felt like, okay, there was something in there that could have worked. It didn't quite, but, uh, like, somewhere in there, I felt like, um, yeah, I, I I wasn't opposed to, you know, at some point, they're going to have to recast. At some point, they're going to have to make some changes. In a, and I'm all for a reboot, making the appropriate, you know, changes to really, you know, um, uh, reintroduce it and so on. So, so some of those things I didn't mind... It, but the but the end result was still very lacking. But I, I um, but at a very early stage, I could have I heard the things coming out. It's like okay, you know what? That's probably the way to do it. Uh, you know, they, they're not going to have Robert England forever. Um, they, they've got to you know re envision this character, but you know, keep the the main mythology 
uh, there. And um, so, yeah, I mean, like I said, early on, I was kind of hopeful. And then, and even the first time I saw it, I was like, okay, it didn't blow me away. But, and then afterwards, after I watched it another one or two times, it was like, yeah, it was just a missed opportunity. Well, I think the things that you're referring to that worked are all the things that they stole completely from the original. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, but at the core of it is a fantastic idea, and that's um, I think someone uh, someone online uh, asked a question, something to the effect of, you know, what's a reboot that really needs to be that it's a great premise, and you know, all it takes is is the right type of reimagining, and that's that's a fantastic premise that I feel like you just gotta hit it right, and it's hard to do. It's hard to do. Yeah, we we've talked about you know, uh, namely, you know, more recently the the uh, the Elm Street remake, uh, you know, making another one, and. You know, we compared it to the other famous slashers, you know, uh, Jason and uh, Michael Myers and Leatherface. And it's like the thing about them is they're all behind masks, so you can get anyone to play them. Yeah. Um, just find some big guy to, to play them, and, and you, you've got your character. Um, mm-hmm. With Freddy, it's, it's, it's all about the face and all, all about – and because he wasn't hiding behind a mask, he had to have a lot of that, uh, you know, that big personality – uh, like Robert England provided, and uh, you know Jackie Earl Haley, he's a, he's a brilliant actor. He just didn't have that presence that Freddie needs to have. It's tough, though. I mean, because what I usually tell people, no matter what the franchise is, is that hopefully the character is bigger than any one actor, and that's I still feel that way about Freddie. I I even though he has yet to be re- rebooted and recast really effectively, at the same time, it's like. Um, uh, you know, James Bond or, I don't know, all kinds of characters. Uh, uh, um, I want to put him next to Sherlock Holmes. I respect Freddy Krueger enough to put him next to Sherlock Holmes to where the character should be iconic. And um, you're right. Um, certainly you see the face more, and so um, it's it's more difficult to recast. My thing is that all it takes is one re- good recasting and boom, you know? I mean, that's that's what I think it comes down to is that we we had so many years of being used to Robert England, you know, playing that character that, uh, you know, but like I said, I think all it takes is one really good recasting and boom, suddenly he's he's James Bond. Because at one point, James Bond was only Sean Connery. No, there's no other... Indiana Jones is the same thing. At some point, they're going to recast, you know, someone other than Harrison Ford, and people are going to make a big deal out of it. But if it's if all it takes is one good recasting and boom, Freddy, Freddy's iconic and, and, you know, the character can live on. And that's kind of what I want. I want the character to live on in good movies, of course, but, yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. Nobody yeah. wants – like, I don't think anybody wants that that remake to be the, the final Freddy, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that, if you really love the character, you kind of want it to live on. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah it, it can be done, but they didn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you you kind of answered this a little bit, but what gave you the idea to make a scary stories to tell in the dark documentary? Yeah, it's just it, a it has an audience. The same way, I mean, I, I assume you you've heard of the the film adaptation they're working on. Yes, uh, you know, I, I come to it from this from a similar standpoint where I see an audience. I see you know I see a lot of people who love this title, right? Um, 
one person sees it and says, okay, let's, let's adapt it somehow. That's great. Um, me, I look at him. No, I, uh, you know, although that could be awesome. I'm also really interested to get, you know, the backstory. I want to, uh, I, I want to hear the, you know, the story behind the books. Um, I want to kind of, you know, get into why it is that books like this really, you know, take off and get kids reading. And, um, and, um, I see, I see an interesting, there's all, you know, I've heard a million opinions of, okay, I assume this documentary is going to be going in this direction or that direction. And, you know, that's that's just kind of how documentaries can be. There's a lot of different stories you can tell. Uh, me, one of the interesting stories I'd like to go down is the fact that this is um, uh, this isn't a new thing. We've been telling, we've been scaring the crap out of kids for since since forever, since you know, since they built a campfire and started telling, coming up with you know, hey, there's that house at the you know, edge of the uh, town you know who lives there, that's old man whatever and, and he's got a hook for a hand type stuff. I mean um, I have older brothers, you know I know how that works. So uh, so, you know, and then you, you you get into all kinds of literary um, uh, uh, comparisons. You know, um, I'm I can see this being kind of our modern day Grimm's fairy tales because Grimm's the Grimm's brothers just you know um, were telling original stories. They were packaged stories we've been telling you know for years, and that's what Alvin Schwartz did. He you know he wasn't he he wasn't an R. L. Stein. He actually had been writing writing all kinds of nonfiction uh, books. For years, um, some of them comedic and you know riddles and things like that, and so um, you know he was a journalist more than anything else, and um, and I think he was just the right person to 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 package you know these stories, and and then of course you pair him with the illustrations, and that just has had a life of its own um, for good reason because they're amazing. Um, so you know there's all kinds of directions you wanna you wanna hit. Um, and I just saw all the the potential, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you mentioned the the, the movie adapta- adaptation. Um, do you think that has kind of helped you uh, in in your uh, documentary, or uh, not so much anymore uh, uh, so far? But that's not to say I you know I'm a little documentary, so I uh, you know uh, I. I've been working on this for about two years and pretty much that whole time they've been in some kind of production with it, pre-production writing, so on at script stage and so on and so forth. So I've been monitoring it just because, you know, I'm, I'm a little documentary and, you know, if I, if that gives me a little extra attention, I can't help, but, you know, go along with it because, you know, um, uh, I, like I said, I'm the, I'm, I'm the little guy in the room. And so, uh, um, so yeah, um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to or interested to see what they do with it. But yeah, I mean, uh, I you know the the Schwartz family are, are have been fantastic with me, and I'm working closely with them, and and they really like what I'm doing. They really like you know that I'm going from you know uh, the the perspective of kind of looking at literacy and and the challenging and children's books in America and that sort of angle, those angles. I think they can really respond to. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a long road and like I said, I'm, I'm definitely keeping an eye on that other movie because, you know, I, I can't help it to, you know, 
to keep an eye on it because that's what I'm doing, you know. Do you have any interest in getting any of the filmmakers in your documentary? I wouldn't, uh, to be completely honest, um, I, uh, I, I, I sent a letter or two to Guillermo del Toro, really just because I knew he was a, a, a big, huge fan of the books. Um, he probably never got those. I don't know. Who knows? Um, but in any case, um, I, I would be absolutely on board with doing that. But at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if they they don't, and I won't hold it against them if they don't because they're working on their own thing. And um, uh, yeah, I mean, I. Uh, uh, but I wouldn't. Be, like I said, I definitely wouldn't be opposed to it. I'm. Uh, I just got uh, an interview with R.L. Stein, and that's that's just happened in the past week. Um, and that's that was huge for me. I mean, honestly, very early on, I made my list of interviews I super duper wanted to get. Number one on the list was you know the author's family and and the illustrator if I could get it. Um, after that. Um, you know, it was uh, there were a couple of key names. You know, R.L. Stein would be fantastic because for so many people, R.L. Stein and you know, scary stories to tell in the dark, kind of like it was part of the culture of the '80s and '90s, and the same kids that were into those were into the others, and so on and so forth. So, um, the, that was a huge name, very high on the list. Um, then you've got a, a ton of names in the. Um, uh, in the back of the books, you know, I don't know if you remember thumbing to the back of the books where, you know, um, Alvin Schwartz would go, uh, you know, give all kinds of interesting detail. Well, I got this story from this folklorist and um, and he'd go on all kinds of interesting tangents. Um, so most of those aren't around anymore, but I found at least one or two and um, and and. I will be interviewing at least one or two people or folklorists who are referenced in the back of the book. So, so those were some of my big, real high, like, I would love to. And Del Toro was on there because I knew he was a big fan. Like, he's framed some of the illustrations in his, in his house and that sort of thing. And, and so, um, uh, so it, it definitely would be interesting and, and cool and, and that sort of thing. But uh, at the same time, I... I'm respectful that they probably or very likely wouldn't just because their production with this other movie. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned you wanted to get the illustrator. Did you get a chance to talk to him? No. Um, kind of a long story. Um, so I I make references on my campaign page. Um, it doesn't appear he's ever been interviewed, and it appears that he has a policy against being interviewed. Um, I, he was the first person I reached out to, um, uh, Stephen Gamble. And so, um, uh, and um, but in the two years of my research, it's, it seems fairly evident that he has a policy against doing interviews, and, and he's never done interviews. Um, so I'm kind of... I, I'm preparing people for the fact that it's most likely not going to happen, and no one could get that then. Because I mean, I'm, but I'm incredibly respectful, you know. Actually, <laughs> um, so uh, so yeah, I, I, I want to prepare people for the fact that I don't think that interview is going to take place. Darn! I, I would love to hear his his thoughts on the uh, the new animation or the new. Illustrations that came out with the the toned down Disney looking. I mean, 
Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, I, I, that'll definitely pop up in the documentary, there's no doubt about that, because a lot of people co- have commented on that. Um, you know, I, I really just, I want to pay tribute to the original books, the il- original illustrations, um, um, what, what, one interesting piece of news I, information I have got is that, um, you know, uh, Alvin Schwartz really liked the illustrations and, you know, continued to, to you know, what he, he wanted all along to have Stephen Gamble do those illustrations because he liked those, even though I don't think they ever met. And so, um, really? Uh, so, yeah, no, I don't think so. I mean, that, that's, I'm, I'm, from my interview so far, I'm 95% sure they never met. Um, I'll be damned. So, um, so, which is an interesting tidbit there. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's usually just how children's books work. You, 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 it's not a collaboration in, in, uh, compared to a, a lot of, uh, in, in the same sense. A lot of times it's just publishers who have their And Steve Gamble, you know, has won awards. And, and even at that point in time in the 1980s, he was a, uh, he was a prominent illustrator. So, um, so they just... That's what publishers do. They have, you know, certain illustrators, certain authors, and they and they do a certain amount of pairing. And but then also certainly, depending on the situation, um, authors can have a, a certain amount of clout for for choosing them. But um, but yeah, uh, you know, so I really just want to pay tribute to the original stories, the original illustrations, and how those in the, particularly in the eighties and nineties. Because the interesting thing with this is that. In the 80s and 90s, when these really started to get popular, it was also, it, it co- coincided with the American Library Association really beginning to uh, track the challenging of children's books. Um, before that, it just had no attraction. It just kind of happened, and, and, and there wasn't a name put on it. Just like, okay, we're going to ta- take these books out of uh, uh, this library because this parrot says they're, you know, they have weird illustrations or that, um, what was it? Um, uh, the, one, a, fa- a famous one, not of these birds, um, uh, I believe it was the, um, Goldilocks and the three bears. Um, no, no, it wasn't. Uh, it was the big bad wolf. Anyways, um, there was, it was taken out of, uh, um, libraries or schools because, um, she had wine in her basket and that was, oh, that was yeah, for oh, and so, <laughs> um, so yeah, really, I'd like to get under the hood of okay, why why are we removing these particular books and books in general? Is it you know um, how easy is it to do um, that sort of thing? So I I think the fact that these books grew in popularity around the same time, we started to really you know. Uh, Look at why we take out books. Um, I think makes for an interesting story. If that makes sense, you know. I, uh, um, I think you know. I think it behooves us to start to look at that because here, like I said, you've got a million, million kids. I swear, I've read every single comment that kids, people my age in their you know twenties and thirties, saying these books got me reading when I wouldn't have otherwise been reading because I wasn't. I didn't want to read. You know, whatever. I was interested in scary things, and these these got my you know my my blood going. You know, and that that I like that. So yeah, cool. Um, so for someone who either has read the books, 
you know, like me and Tony have read all of them cover to cover, or for someone who's never read them, what are they going to see in this documentary that they don't know about the books? Um, I think you're going to get a little, uh, a bit of uh, backstory to the author, um, particularly. Um, I think you're going to um, uh, go down nostalgia lane a little bit and really see, okay, the, the although some people vaguely know that these were popular, I think we'll paint a picture of the fact that these these these. <laughs> Books had a lot of effect on a lot of people, a, a positive effect on people, and I think that's um, that's uh, even if you're not interested in, or weren't a fan of these particular books, um, I think a if you're a fan of scary things at all, you'll even if you didn't grow on these, grow up with these books, you grew up with something else. Most of the time, that's when you get interested in scary things is when you're a kid. Um, that's when it first starts, and so whether it's this book or another book. You know, um, you're. I think you'll you'll find an interesting um, example in this book where you 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 uh, you find that uh, uh, there was a shared experience with a lot of people who naturally are um, interested in these things, and then and then going down to historic historical perspectives and kind of looking at. Um, uh, you know how we've been scaring the bejesus out of kids for for millennium. You know, I I I think a lot of people would find that interesting and and would like to to um, you know hear from scholars and people that you know have done a lot of research in, on those fields. Kind of you know uh, go, go down those routes. I think uh, you know, like I said, even if you're not specifically a fan of these books i think it it makes for an interesting documentary yeah for sure um so you know obviously you want you want to get this thing made so you have a crowdfunding campaign going right now right yep uh it's on indiegogo right now it's just we're about a week week and a half in currently and so we still have about a month uh, we're running. Um, we just got that R.L. Stein um, interview uh, just in the past several days, and uh, I'm I'm hoping that gives us an extra boost because you know, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, he's a prominent name, and I'm very yeah. very excited to be able to interview him because I think you know, um, uh, I, I I think that's a unique perspective. Um, but yeah, yeah so we're 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 hitting it hard right now. We've crowdfunded it before, and we we saw some success. I'm 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 hoping this one. I, last time I didn't have a trailer. This time we have a trailer. So okay, so I'm cool. hoping, uh, uh, so I'm hoping uh, we see even more success with this one. Yeah. So uh, what's your what's your overall goal? Um, thirty eight thousand. Which um, th- I'm sorry, thirty nine thousand. And so. Um, uh, so it, it, it's a lot of travel, um, mm-hmm. and um, uh, the uh, Peter Schwartz, the son of Alvin Schwartz, he lives in Seattle, and then there's um, there's a number of people out on the West Coast. I'm in Chicago, and then um, we're making at least one trip more trip onto the to the East Coast, and then of course we just picked up R.L. Stein, and that's probably in New York. So it's a fair bit of travel, and um, and then there's some licensing things that we have to worry about. This uh, sure. I've, I've come up with some really cool and that isn't even uh, uh, licensing the book proper it's more uh, archive footage that um, really starts to add up and um, mm-hmm. it can be quite pricey so um, so yeah cool and um, I, I honest I have to be honest I haven't actually 
seen your uh, Indiegogo page yet. I keep meaning to look at it, but um, are, do you have are you offering any any perks for for your donators? Oh yeah, yeah. So we have a T-shirt. Well, at twenty five dollars, it's just kind of like buying it early. So um, you know, uh, and a lot of people choose that, which I definitely encourage. You know, uh, if, if you think you're going to check it out, if it, it helps us a lot by pre-buying it so you know um and uh after that um there's a t-shirt um it says i dig scary stories and it's got a gamel-esque um illustration that i think a lot of people get a kick out of and then um and then there's some original artwork tribute artwork um that i think is uh, i've gotten a really awesome response people love them and um and they're really kind of reimaginings you know uh uh, it, that's the tricky thing with you know uh, dealing with very what have become very iconic illustrations for a lot of people. Um, you gotta kind of go delicately with it. Um, uh, so it's uh, I think it's I think it's done in the right way. And then and then there's a teaser poster which I think is super cool. And um, so yeah, I think there's some really cool things. I, a lot of people are really interested in the, the illustrations. So um, what I want to do is kind of you know. Um, uh, pay tribute to um, the fact that uh, this got a lot of a lot of people interested in art, and, and and that's that's a good thing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I, um, I've always been an artistic person, and uh, you know, drawing was my hobby when I was a kid, and um, these books definitely uh, amplified that. Just like, oh my god, I wish I could you know, create art like that one day. And so it, it was a real kind of stepping stone for me. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. So is this, are you looking for like a DVD release? Are you hoping to have it on Netflix or what's, what's the means to, to get this out there? Um, what most likely we'll do what, what most do, which is take it to festivals and then see what happens. Um, I've already had some interest from a festival and, um, uh, one of the bigger ones. And, and so it was great to hear, but at the same time, it's like, I can't make it this year. It's not that, <laughs> but, but that's inevitably what happens when you pull together a trailer. I, I put together, I think, uh, a, a, a really good trailer that's gotten a lot of, uh, a lot of interest and in, which is great. Um, but it's a trailer put together with about a third of what we're going to do. So, um, uh, so yeah. So most likely we take it to festivals. The the goal is to take it to festivals by next fall, and then um, and then you see what happens. Um, certainly with documentaries, uh, a lot of them pop up on streaming services. So, and I definitely would not. Uh, um, I'd be very open to that because that's how I see a lot of my documentaries. You know. Stuff. Yeah. Um, if you have, you seen the? Um, I assume you guys have all seen the four-hour uh, Diamond Elm Street documentary on Netflix. I've I haven't seen, seen the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a chore to it, get through that. Yeah, it's an endurance trial. <laughs> yeah, I, I loved it. Uh, yeah, I've I've seen that a couple of times, and there's a lot of other really good ones. Um, but yeah, so I mean, like I said. Definitely, we'll just see, and uh, I've got to be kind of open to, to you know the the biggest di- distribution that I feel like I can get, basically. You know, uh, I feel like I got to ask: Have you seen the nightmare? You know what? No, I saw. Um, it, it was uh, the, the his previous run, Room Two Thirty Seven. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that, and I really—I mean—I have mixed emotions about it, but I enjoyed it. I had fun with it. Um, I have not seen the nightmare, but I need to. It is um, freaky as shit. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I've never had night terrors. It's about night terrors, right? Yeah, I, I, I've never had and it. Sleep paralysis. Oh, okay, gotcha. Okay, yeah, I, um, uh, yeah. I've, I've, it sounds, yeah, it sounds interesting. I'm, I need to, I need to watch it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't ask which is your favorite of the scary stories to tell in the dark. It's jumped around, and one thing I find I have found interesting is that. Most people, like, immediately think of certain ones, and it's been interesting to see that it's been all over the place. Like, I've every time I ask someone, it seems like it's a different one. There's a good, large number of them. that, and, and so mine has shifted around a bit. Um, one of the ones that usually is near the top of my list is um, The Bride. Um, this is the one where, um, they're playing like, uh, hide and seek on their, on their wedding day and, and she disappears. And then, um, uh, however many years later, he opens up the, the chest and her, her dead body's, you know, skeleton is in there. She was hiding in a chest and it got locked in. That's just a, maybe it's a claustrophobic thing, but, it, and it almost seems like a, I don't know, a Twilight Zone episode or, or something that like, I don't know. It was uh, that's usually near the top of my list, is, and it's a great illustration. It's one of the. Uh, I mean, I don't know, there's so many great illustrations, but that's definitely one one of the really good ones. Um, so yeah, that's usually. What are your guys' favorites? Uh, I like the the scarecrow. Uh huh. Harold. Uh huh. Uh-huh. That, that's actually my favorite too. So. <laughs> that, that does show up a lot. I'll be honest. That's uh, if I had to choose five that has showed up more than any of the others. Harold's up there, definitely. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of good ones. And then uh, and, and and then there's the whole, like, okay, do you like it for the, do you like the story better? Do you like the, the illustration? You know, is what, what part of it do you remember? Um, there, there were a number of illustrations that had very little to do with the story, but the illustration was something that you, you always pops up in your mind and, and you remember very well. Um, different things, stories, same kind of thing where it's like maybe uh, the illustration you didn't remember as much, but that story, all, like every time you look back in your backseat, you think of uh, the one uh, the, uh, uh, with the person honking the horn behind and or headlights, headlights. Yeah, and, right. Uh, and then uh, and you find out there was someone in the back trying to get and every time they put their headlights in it was trying to prevent that person in the back seat from getting you um but i've heard many people say every once in a while they think of someone being in the back seat type of thing and that's it's it's visceral it's great oh, the one with the sewer rat always stands out in my mind too uh, oh, yeah 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 that's 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 a solid one and the illustration's great yeah yeah, yeah. yeah and for me it's like the the, the the story and the illustration always worked really well like in tandem because mm-hmm. like you're talking about Harold um, you know the 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 illustration itself is not that intimidating or terrifying um, I, I mean it's got you know that creepy gamble look to it uh, mm-hmm. obviously but once you read the story and then you look at the illustration it just it gives you the it's gives you the crawlies <laughs> yeah. yep yep Absolutely, absolutely. Now I'm wondering why I haven't gotten a Scary Stories tattoo yet. <laughs> why uh, there's about a million of them out there. Oh, I'm sure. 
I know. It's very, <laughs> and those are all over the place. I mean, as far as some people do the the cover of the first book, which is the you know, which is great. That that head coming out of the ground. Uh, other people go with completely different ones. It's uh, it, I've I've seen about a, a, a you know a thousand of them, and and they're all over the place as far as people choosing and choosing different ones. It's it's cool. I may have to add that yeah, to the list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I guess just kind of to wrap things up, do you want to go ahead and plug your, your website and your Twitter and all your, all your information? Sure. Um, website is uh, scarystoriesdoc.com, as in scarystoriesdocumentary.com. Um, uh, Twitter, scarystoriesdoc. Um, uh, uh, Instagram, scarystoriesdoc. Um, most of, about the Facebook is about the only thing where it's scary stories movie. Um, otherwise, it's um, uh, mostly. And if you go if you go to our website, you'll 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 a get sent to our in, Indiegogo page uh, right now, and then um, you can also just uh, uh, click around and, and get to our various social media. I I find all kinds of really interesting things, and and I share things very regularly on uh, uh, on social media. So um, uh, just all kinds of tribute art and tribute stuff that I come across. It's uh, there's a lot out there, so it's cool. Right on. Yeah, well, Cody, thanks a lot for coming on. Um, is a lot of yeah, fun thank talking you. to you. I appreciate it. Yeah, I absolutely. Yeah, so uh, you know, we wish you the best of luck. We hope everything comes together, and you know, we're we're really excited to see this. Yeah, I can't so. wait to see it. Awesome. So, right, thanks for talking. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, uh, uh, you're welcome on anytime to update us or or whatever. So, um, take care and uh, good luck to you. All right, thanks. I got that gray fly. I got that gray fly. I got that gray fly. It's right off the highway. Wobble dee wobble dee drop into my grave plot. You afraid of death? Well, I'm afraid not. Cause I got the bomb spot right off the highway. I did it my way. A very small percent of the Good interview. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, definitely. And from what I understand, they do tackle like the uh, the artwork and the, the concept of uh, censorship. Mm, right, yeah, he, he he did mention that that he was going to be touching on that a bit, but he said he was going to be focused mainly on the original art and the original books that the, were released. The, the good ones, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Um, so yeah, go check him out. Uh, he gave his information, so go find him on one of the social networks. It sounds like most of it's a scary story doc. Yeah, pretty much across all platforms except Facebook. Right. <clears throat> he said anyway, that. Huh? He said that. Yeah, I know. He. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said. Uh, so, onwards to our next feature. To the reviews! <laughs> Onward and upward. <laughs> What are you doing, man? I'm a superhero. What? Dickhead man? <laughs> then I would be dickhead man. <laughs> anyway, so uh, Taylor decided he was going to be cute and... Uh, <laughs> As always. And signed us up for reviews with two movies that have the same title. 
So I think first we should do the boy. about you running this place someday but we're running a dead motel son ted i know you wish you had friends i have friends you're the kid who lives here aren't you where do you live nowhere now i'd like to ask you a few questions if i might I prefer you didn't you have any secrets maybe just a little harmless fun i swear the kid's got eyes growing out of the back of his head can't do anything around here without him watching. A lot of responsibility running a motel. Must be hard to find the time to be a dad. My wife and I wanted a son like you. All right, so first up, we're going to do The Boy, uh, this one from 2015 and produced by Spectravision, which, uh, for those of you who don't know, is Elijah Wood's production company, also responsible for um, Cooties and uh, The Greasy Strangler. You and your fucking Greasy Strangler. I want to see Greasy Strangler so bad. Just because of the title. You, most, probably, you most, probably don't even know what it's about. It's about a Greasy Strangler mm. who strangles people and he's greasy. <laughs> and he wears a pink turtleneck. I know that much. So the boy is about a boy. Go figure. By the name of Ted. Ted Henley. Um, and him and his dad, played by David Morse. Who you would recognize from things. From such films. <laughs> I honestly can't think of anything that I know him from, but I know I've seen him like a thousand times. Yeah. He's just one of those guys. It's yeah. Like everything. So uh, they, oh, sorry. The Rock. He was in The Rock. He's not The Rock. He's not. The, I didn't say The Rock. <laughs> He's in The Rock. Gay. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Uh, so, Ted and his dad um, run and live in this uh, motel off the side of some middle-of-nowhere road. Um, and basically, th- they don't get a lot of business. Mostly truckers coming and going. Come and, you know, stop for a night and then move on. And for whatever fucking reason... Ted's dad gives him a quarter every time he picks up roadkill mm. and brings it back. I don't know why he needs it or wants it. Maybe to give him a job? I don't I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, tell him to go throw it away. Don't have him bring it back to your home. Yeah. You live and eat. This is my home. 
But so Ted is collecting money to get a bus pass to Florida to go see his mom. I, I think to live with his mom. Yeah, kind of. Kind of seems like he wants to get away. I mean, yeah, it's, he's in the middle of nowhere, and he's like ten. So yeah, there's he has no friends. He, I don't think he goes to school. It doesn't seem that way. I mean, unless it was well, no. So later in the movie, it implies that it is the school year. So he's just kind of there. Yeah, he just works for free. Slave labor. Yep. Child slave labor at that. The cheapest kind. <laughs> yes, Tony knows from experience. If you want, if you want quality workmanship for a low, low price, get yourself some child slaves. Just have a kid. Is that why people have kids? <laughs> yeah, go mow the fucking lawn. Yeah, dick. Or you don't get dinner ever, ever. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Ted's a little weird, little shit. Um, obviously, which comes from, you know, picking up roadkill on the side of the road for fun and quarters. And one day he, well, he, they, they stop getting traffic. And so there's no roadkill for him to pick up. So he starts putting feed in the middle of the road so that animals will come out and eat it and get hit by cars and he can pick up the roadkill. Uh, he starts doing this with bigger and bigger animals. Finally, he does it with a deer. Car crashes from hitting the deer. Who's inside the car? Dwight K. Schrute. Dwight K. Schrute. <laughs> Looking all haggard as hell. I didn't even recognize him at first. Me neither. It's that fucking beard. Until I heard his voice. He's got that mountain man beard. Yeah. That Grizzly Adams R.I.P. beard. One love. See, one love again. You with the one love. <laughs> Now I'm just doing it because you notice. Uh, it's many loves. Did you say Denny Lugs? Betty Nugs. Betty Nugs. <laughs> He's in the juice. I saw some article recently about it, the guy who was like unfrozen. The first thing I thought of was, "Who's in the juice? <laughs> no, 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 he's in the juice. <laughs> Two minutes. <laughs> so, Dwight Schrute it has this giant gash on his head. Says he's not going to go to the hospital. He's, he's fine. He's just going to hang out at this motel for a few days and just you know sleep it off. <laughs> so him and him and Ted kind of become buddies. Even though, uh, what is his name? William. William Colby. He's doing his best to kind of distance himself from the kid, but the kid is clearly very interested in him because he's a new person and the kid has no friends. Yeah. So they kind of become a little buddy-buddy. As the movie goes on, you kind of get the feeling that Ted has this fascination with death. Mm Mm-hmm. Starting out with animals and and it kind of grows into how humans die and what happens after you die and all kinds of things like that. And uh, you kind of find out that Ted is a little nutty. <laughs> little bit. Uh, yeah, and just as the movie progresses, he gets more and more just kind of dark and a little more uh, nutty. Sociopathic. A little more sociopathic, yeah. <laughs> um, a little more psychopathic, I guess. Sure. And uh, yeah, and then there's a big culmination at the end. 
which if you look at the cover of the movie is totally given away. Yeah. <laughs> Have you noticed that? Yeah. Yeah. So, what'd you think? This uh, this wasn't for me. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> okay. This movie did what I consider like a fatal flaw, is that it had several minutes of no dialogue. <clears throat> um, you know, back in like the 1920s, 30s, somewhere, some brilliant mind created a filming method that included sound. You could actually record what people were saying instead of having to have slides with you know the dialogue written on them. Uh, and now people seem to think it's fashionable or trendy to not have dialogue in their fucking movie. And that drives me absolutely insane because I don't like just watching people. (laughs) I want to see them speaking and interacting with each other and doing something. Um, And so there was a part, actually probably several parts of this movie where there was nobody talking for like a solid five minutes. And that's bullshit. Because like I already care very little about what's happening so you have to engage me somehow so fucking talk i understand (laughs) uh you are coming off very like add right now well it's like i I can't focus somebody talk (laughs) (laughs) i just don't like watching silent movies it's dumb I have enough silence in my life. I don't. When I watch a movie, I want to be, uh, like I said, engaged and entertained. And when I see some little shit walking around picking up roadkill for five minutes, not talking to anybody, not saying any, like not even talking to himself, just to have, just to break the silence a little bit, like it's it's just irritating. It, it wears on me. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it is harder to advance a story when, like, A, when you have no dialogue, and B, when it's just a single character on screen. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, the movie is, it's the boy. It's about this boy and what he does and his, you know, not just his interactions with other people, but his, uh, not inner struggle, but, like, inner feelings and things stuff, stuff. <laughs> you know feely stuff <laughs> um I, see another thing for me was like i just i don't like movies about kids i don't find kids particularly entertaining in, in you know in general okay <laughs> so when i watch this and it's literally Two hours of just this kid doing weird shit. Like, ugh. <laughs> when is this done? <laughs> um, that's the thing is that most of this movie is kind of like trying to figure out why he's doing things, why he's this way. So I don't think this movie is very rewatchable. Absolutely not. I would never watch this again. Because the only reason that you're engaged at all is to like figure out why 
this kid is this way and where this is going. Yeah. So once you know where it's going, there's really nothing else to the story. The story is really thin otherwise. Yeah. And you know, when, when you read like a description of this, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty much all the synopses that I've seen. It's all, uh, a, a young sociopath, uh, Learn, like discovers and learns about life and death or something like that. Um, so it's like I'm sitting there through the entire movie, like wondering when he's going to kill someone. Like yeah. that's the only thing that kept me going. <laughs> and I, I realize that sounds a little sick. <laughs> yes. But it's like when the movie starts, he seems like a fairly normal kid. I mean, maybe a little introverted, which is... You know, growing up in the fucking with no friends, desert. Yeah, I mean, like, um, it. Uh, you know, it, it's it's understandable that he'd be the way he is, and throughout the movie, he does seem to get a little more nutty. <laughs> um, and I don't know. It's the, the the I was waiting for him to really unleash and. Like actually kill someone, or something. Some sure, yeah. Um, there's a point where he fucking kicks a chicken to death. Right. That's, that's when that's he the starts first time. to get unhinged. Right. I mean, when like he started, you know, he put out the feed to so animals would go and get hit by cars. I yeah. expected that to escalate quicker to him just like straight killing animals. Yeah. Um, you know, either like stabbing them or whatever means, but. It didn't. But then you know he, there was when he, the car hit the deer. His dad shows him how to butcher it, mm-hmm. how to bleed it out, and remove the organs and things of that nature. And that was really where he just kind of seemed like just fascinated with you know this dead body and what happens. Yeah. And then his dad saws off the antlers and gives them to him. Yeah. It's like you, it's a little souvenir. It's like you're completely oblivious, aren't you? <laughs> Um, so that's the thing. His dad is so wrapped up in his failing business that he doesn't even really notice his kid. Yeah. Which is usually what causes these, you know, sociopathic people. Yeah. When they don't get any love from mommy and daddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Pretty slow moving movie. Yeah. And it's um, so long. It's seriously like almost two hours long. It is one hour forty five minutes according to IMDB. Yeah, very long. Uh, I saw the end coming. Like, like down to the means of how it happens. Okay, my, not I necessarily didn't. who it happened to. I didn't really like, not like immediately, obviously, but like once it started ramping up to the end, I was like, yeah, this is what's going to happen. Yeah, I. I I think I get what you're saying. Yeah, me too. I mean, I, I knew that there was really, to, for me, there's only really one way that the movie could end. Yeah. And that, I guess that's part of what made it such a struggle for me is because I was so disinterested in what was happening. And I really just wanted to see this one thing well, and like, come I to re- fruition. And I read something. I, I want to say it was somebody from Dread Central or something saying that the movie rewards patient viewing. That, like, it realizes that it's very slow, but that the end makes up for it. So I was expecting something major at the end. I was like, okay, I'm going to be wrong. That This is not how it's going to end. Or if it does, it's going to be, like, such an awesome scene. 
and there's going to be, you know, just like fucking dead bodies everywhere and all, all kinds of sweet effects, but there's none of that. You're sitting on a mountain of skulls. Yeah. <laughs> there's none of that. No. <laughs> yeah. Saying the end's a, re- a reward, no. It's, it's really not. It's, it's, it's so... For what it is, it's happened so And it's not quickly. even really like it's a surprise because the end is stretched out over a period of time that's long enough to... It doesn't really surprise you at all. Yeah. Um, you know, the only really part that's kind of a shock is uh, what he does with the ashes. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, the ashes being... Uh, uh, Rain Wilson's wife has been cremated. Right, that was kind of where his his uh, real real fascination with death became prominent. Yeah, he's asking, he's like, "What's in the box?" <laughs> and he, he tells him, you know, when when people die, they either get buried in the ground or they get burnt up into ashes, and that that's you know the, the box is my wife's ashes. My wife, <laughs> she's ashes. <laughs> Great success. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then, then Ted is like, can I see it? <laughs> you guys want to see a dead body? Yeah, and then he steals them. Yeah. Creepy little fucker. Not good. So it, while I was watching Dwight this... Dwight then lost his damn mind when that happened. Wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. I'd That's, kill someone. It's Angela's ashes. Isn't that a book? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a book. Okay. And Angela and Dwight. Ah, uh, yep. Uh, shit, what was I going to say? Oh, while I was watching this, all I could think of was like, this is a less fucked up gummo. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, with, you know, a lot more death. <laughs> yeah. And and yet, still less fucked up. Come on, man! That's just something I can that's only hard watch. to watch. I can't. I can only watch that movie once. I think I, I've, I've done it. I can't do it again. It's yeah, too fucking weird. It is too fucking weird. Uh yep. Man, I'm looking at the the credits for this movie. I don't remember there being that many people in this movie. Well, there are a lot of kids at the end. There was that family that stayed at the motel. Mr. Rivers! Was that him? Yeah. I'll be damned. He looked familiar, and I, I couldn't place him. It was Eric Rivers. <laughs> Watch him see him play a dad. <laughs> That's funny. Um, his wife looked familiar, too, but I may have just been thinking she was somebody else. I don't know. Um, Her name is... Zulika Robinson. Nope. She was on Lost. <laughs> God, fucking Lost. Uh, she was on Once Upon a Time. That's who? Amara? Amara. Totally spacing on who that character even is. Anyway. Yeah, and then he, uh, they have, they have a little, little boy that Ted makes friends with and then tries to drown. Mm-hmm. That's and then he's like, sorry. And the kid's like, okay. <laughs> he's like, I was just funning. 
And the kid's just like cool with it. Yeah. I'd be like, no, you stay away from me. <laughs> Fucking nutcase. <laughs> you don't touch me. Don't come near me. Don't talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> and then he like watched him sleep too, which was fucking weird. I will say the I, I like the direction of this. I guess. <laughs> I just thought there was like it would like be focused on Ted and he would walk off set and it would just stay on the spot where he was and then kind of pan over instead of following him. It was just it was an interesting technique and I thought that it, it worked in this situation. But what what value did it have? What was the point? <laughs> I don't know, just to kind of keep you in suspense. Like, where is he going? What is he doing? Oh, now we get to find out. Instead of just following him and like, it wasn't as, you know, this happens, then this happens, then this happens. It's I think that, a little intrigue. I think this movie needed that, though, because it was so fucking boring. <laughs> nah. What, <laughs> nah. What do you know about art? <laughs> I don't know art, but I know what I like. <laughs> What's what's the word when you just say like this and this happens and then this happens and then this happens? A, a, a word for it? Yeah, there's a word for it. Ah. <laughs> I don't know. I'll figure it out. <laughs> All right. Well, you have my number. You can let me know. I know. I don't really have much else to say about this. I don't know. I don't no. know what else just to say. I don't. I have nothing for this. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> Uh, yeah. What about the uh, what about the kids, the the teenage kids? What do you think? Of, what do you think of them? <laughs> well, they're assholes. They are assholes. Um, man, they kicked the shit out of him, though. Yeah, like that- he's he's a little boy. Why would you do that? Because you're a drunk dickhead. <laughs> And how about the Asian guy that was like, here, just take a sip. And then it's just like, yeah. chug it. Pound that whiskey, bitch. Or rum, or whatever it was. I think it was Jack. Looked like a Jack bottle. I don't know. Irregardless. Don't you do that, ever. <laughs> don't bring that shit into my home. Um, yeah. Fuck this movie. <laughs> Okay, so, uh, <laughs> all right, well, give me a number then. Two. Uh, I'll give it a four, just because I do think it's, you You can watch it, but I wouldn't watch it again. I just see no desire, no, no point in watching it a second time, so, yeah, I'll give it a four. Okay. Well, our uh, second movie, 2016, currently in theaters, The Boy. We've had a number of nannies come through already. This is our son. <laughs> no offense, Brahms, but you kind of creep me out. You okay? I needed someone else to see it. It's alive. If you leave him alone, they don't give you a sign.
come out here to play with Brahms. They found our body in the woods. By the time the police arrived, the place was up in flames. Brahms didn't make it out. Hello? If this thing is some kind of spirit or ghost, it is not the good kind. All right, so the boy, number two, boy, R.I.P. Angus Scrim, one love. One love. <laughs> um, <clears throat> okay, so it's a movie about uh, Maggie from The Walking Dead. She escapes a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> um, Lauren Cohen plays Greta. Greta. Um, Pinterschloss. Uh, Is that her last name? From that family? Was her name Greta? The doctor, yeah. Huh. Well, that's her fake name. Right. Um, here's right off the bat. You know what, what issue I have with this movie? Where to start? <laughs> uh, this movie takes place in England. Lauren Cohen is British. Yeah. But plays an American. Right. Yeah. And, you know, Lauren Cohen, she's actually American-born, but she moved to England. Uh, her, her, I think her dad was British. So, and he... I want to say he was actually like a... Somebody in politics, maybe? I could be wrong on that. But American-born, moved there when she was like three or five or something, very young age, and, you know, lived there most of her life. So she's American, but she has a British accent naturally. Uh, hides it very well. Like, you don't, I don't pick up it on it at all. I mean, as many years I've been watching in The Walking Dead. I There's a couple times in this where I, th- I thought I heard it slip, but it was mostly because I knew she was British. If I didn't know, I probably wouldn't have noticed it. That's true. Uh, and, you know, actually... It's funny because the first thing I had ever seen her in was Supernatural. She played a, 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 a thief that stole like um, like supernatural relics, um, and um, she played British in that. And I always thought her accent was fake. Like it, <laughs> it always sounded to me like it wasn't a good accent. <laughs> then come to find, she's actually British. So um, anyway. But, uh, yes, so she plays Greta. Um, she, apparently in order to escape her abusive boyfriend, or ex-boyfriend, I guess, um, or Cole. Cole. Played by an Irishman. Okay. But also an American. <laughs> right. And his accent was not hidden as it's well. not good. Right I knew he back. was hiding something. Yeah, I was like, this guy sounds like Irish. You, you, you picked I, up Irish? Okay. Yeah, which is weird because I normally don't pick up Irish very well. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I knew he was hiding an accent. I, just, I couldn't pick up on what. But anyway. Um, Apparently he's from Vikings. Yeah. I remember we had gotten out of the movie and I said, man, that guy looks familiar, but I can't place him. And my wife pulled it up on pulled him up on IMDb and mentioned Vikings. It's like, okay, well, I don't watch Vikings, so... Um, anyway, so... <laughs> apparently, in order to escape him, he she needed to go to England. 
Uh, don't know why. She's from Montana. You think maybe she go to L.A. or New York? You know, Montana's right in the middle. You can kind of go either direction and be pretty far away. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, in order to make ends meet, she takes a nanny job from this very strange older couple, um, the Hillshire family, the Pinderschlosses. <laughs> Um, yes, they ask, they want her to watch after their son, uh, Brahms. She arrives at the house and they're not in when she arrives and she's greeted by, uh, the grocery man, um, Malcolm, Malcolm. Thank you. And he, uh, he's a. He looked familiar too. I guess he's from Hellboy. I don't remember his name. Rupert Evans. That's the one. Um, yeah, he was in Hellboy. That's what I recognized him from. I don't know if you recognized him at all. It's not I important. Did, I did not. Um, <laughs> I'm rambling. It's not important. Uh, and she, he kind of lets lets her on that the Hillshires are an odd couple. Also, Mr. Hillshire is played by Jim Norton, but not the comedian Jim Norton. Yeah. I saw his name in the credits and I was like, what? Yeah, I did the same <laughs> thing. I'm like, there's, I leaned over to my wife, what the fuck is Jim Norton doing? <laughs> not that she knows who he is. But <laughs> yeah, and then like the whole movie, I'm like, where the fuck is Jim Norton? <laughs> um, so the Hillshires come back home and Introduce them or introduce Greta to Brahms, who is a doll. <laughs> uh, should come to no shock to anybody that's seen commercials or trailers for this movie. Um, yeah, uh, Brahms is he's, he's a doll, he's a representation of a, a son of theirs that had died, uh, however many years prior 20, I think. Uh, she obviously thinks it's a joke that they're fucking with her. <laughs> As one would. Sure. But no, they're quite serious. <laughs> they, they, it seems like Mrs. Heelshire, more so than Mr. Heelshire, uh, they believe that this, that, that this is their son, that his spirit is in this doll. And the child angel. <laughs> yeah. Right. They got it from May name. Um so they are going on a trip and that's why they ultimately needed a nanny, just somebody to watch after this doll. Um and you know, she thinks it's a joke, but you know, it's fucking money, so and they you know, paying cash, so it's money to watch a doll. Right. Basically money to live in their house. Yeah. Which is actually a pretty nice house. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, they, they own Hillshire Farms, so... Yeah. Probably. Go meet. <laughs> probably. <laughs> um, and, yeah, so they leave on their trip. They're really, they don't say where they're going. They're just... They're going on a holiday. Uh, 
And, you know, needless Friday. to say, <laughs> needless to say, she's already picked up on like, the fact that these two are a bit off. Just a bit. <laughs> and there's something not quite right about this doll. It's, it's creepy. It's like a porcelain doll. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's got these very realistic looking eyes in it. Um, and so when they leave, you know, she basically says, okay, fuck it. And puts, puts it all in a chair and actually throws a blanket up over him. It's like, okay, well this is free lunch right now. <laughs> uh, but she's completely stranded. This is like, it, it's, it's up on, on like a hill, like far set far away from like the nearest small village. Um, there's no internet. There is no cell phone reception. No TV. Basically, all she has to entertain herself are some magazines that her sister sends her and you know, books and wine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then odd things start to happen. And um, what it boils down to is she starts to suspect that the doll is alive. As much as she tries to fight it uh, and deny it, some things just start to occur that she can't not or she can't not see them happening. She can't deny. Yeah. So yeah, that's the movie. That is the movie. Thoughts? Well, um, other than a few like kind of creepy parts, there's really not much. In the way of horror, for the vast majority of the movie, uh, until the end, right? Um, without giving anything away, obviously, the end kind of flips the movie on its head. It's a bit of a curveball. Yeah, I definitely did not see that coming. I, I sort of did, but it wasn't exactly what I had. Imagined. I also feel like it completely changes the tone of the movie. Definitely. Which is not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. It turns it into something entertaining because <laughs> the rest of the movie is not. Right. But it's like, like there's these parts when she first starts thinking that the doll's alive and it's like, okay, this is creepy. I'd be like, nope, hell no, get in the fuck out of here. Yeah. But then like the doll like makes her a sandwich. Right. And it's like, it's a, it's a nice doll. It's just wants to be loved. Mm-hmm. Why am I watching this? <laughs> it's like the thing is like it's she never actually sees the doll move. She will like when when he made her the sandwich, she could hear the doll talking mm-hmm. to her through the through her bedroom door. It's your favorite. Yeah, because uh, I forget exactly what happens, but she freaks out, runs to her room, um, and I, I think. She laid it down and then she saw it sitting up or something like that. Something like that. I mean, something creepy happened. <clears throat> and she runs to her room and locks the door behind her. And she can see under the door these little foots. Foots? <laughs> little foots. Sorry, that's that's what my wife and I call our dog's paws. These foots. It's, it's cute. Come on. It's cute. It's cute. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> like the, she can see like little shoes, yeah. Like like ref, I guess reflecting off the ground, but well, the like shadows, shadows, yeah. yeah. Um, and then yeah, walks away and comes back and 
sets down a little sandwich on a plate. So, yeah, like he's nice the whole time. But he's when Malcolm kind of tells her how Brahms was, and that he well, yeah, was, you, you finally get the ghost story about like seventy yeah. minutes into the movie, right? Um, but even then, it's like he hasn't done anything sinister. No. Until I mean that kind of makes you start expecting it. Sure, yeah. I mean, yeah. You're, you're basically sitting here through the entire movie. It's, it's kind of like the other boy. It's like you're trying. You're you're waiting for him to do something. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, and Malcolm tells her that the real Brahms was very disturbed. Yeah, boy. Odd was the the word that the dad used. Yeah, and you know. He, he he describes, like, there's the nice talk. You know, oh, Brahms was such a nice boy. He's so deeply missed. And then there's the pub talk where people say that he's, like, was weird. Like, he's a strange little boy. And, you know, I think, I think it was suggested that he had started the fire that killed him. Yeah. I, I, I believe that was part of his tale. Um, and, uh, yes, but, but you're right. Like the doll itself never really does anything violent at first. Um, so yeah, it's like the whole time you're like, this isn't a horror movie. Why, why am I watching this? Yeah. And then up until the end. And she actually starts to kind of like care for the doll. Yeah. Which is, you know fucking up her head a little bit. She's she's getting a little weird herself. A little uh, Stockholm syndrome-y. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, you know, she's up there alone. The only person she ever sees is Malcolm when he comes to deliver groceries or, you know, he kind of starts to call on her in a personal manner. Yeah, and then Brahms cock blocks him. Yeah. Bastard. He's got blue balls for the rest of the movie. Spoiler yeah. alert. There's no sex, though. They're almost. Yeah, there's a shower scene. You don't see anything. You do see her walking around in tiny little booty shorts, though. Yep, those that was nice. You mean like the panties, right? Yeah, yeah. She's wearing like a, a t-shirt or a button-up shirt. Or something. A, yeah, it was a button-down. And uh, yeah, which you could kind of see in a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, and tiny little panties. But they, you know, they could have just made this an R and showed showed some titties. Sure, that that would have helped. She's got nice legs. Yeah, she does. Yeah, <laughs> she's like she's looking season two good. Yeah, <laughs> that whole grimy like she is in season six. Yeah, I, I leaned over to my wife and I said, you know, it's funny seeing her not all dirty and grimy. <laughs> yeah, and it was like when she started talking too. I was like, oh, that's right. She's doesn't have a southern accent. Yeah, she's not from Georgia or wherever. Um, <clears throat> so also, this movie relies a lot on jump scares, and it and every time there's a jump scare. Greta jumps. Mm-hmm. She's like a human applause sign. <laughs> jump, everyone, jump! Yeah. Um, <laughs> the one part where she turns the doll's head and then she lets go and he turns back. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a couple in front of me, and the guy was clearly like, "You know, I'm I'm too cool for this. This is don't worry, babe. I'll protect you." <laughs> that scene, he was like. <laughs> loudest in the whole theater it was amazing and i'm right behind him just like <laughs> inside obviously i didn't actually sure. do that but 
Oh, I want to just laugh at him so hard. <laughs> you pussy. <laughs> Everybody, that was this guy. It was this guy right here. It was Chad. And he'd be like, no, it was this guy behind me. <laughs> it was me. It was him. What a, what a pussy, right? <laughs> right, guys? Right, babe? <laughs> but, yeah, um, she starts to get crazy and starts to actually care for Brahms, and it becomes very lighthearted. You start to wonder if Brahms is, like, actually, like, uh, alive? Uh, like, alive and, like, you know, a lighthearted spirit. <laughs> yeah, like a Casper the Friendly Ghost. Kind yeah. Of. And so exactly what you said. It's like, why is this considered a horror movie? Yeah, because all the, like, I guess kind of spoiler alert, all the creepy parts that happen, they're all dreams. Yeah. Um, that happens, what, a couple times? Yeah. Yeah. And there's, like, I mean, a couple kind of pseudo creepy parts where you hear, you know, like maybe footsteps or whatever. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of, you know, it's kind of unnerving, but it's not really anything... You know, there's worse stuff on Halloween specials of TV shows. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think there was one part where that I jumped a little. And it was like I knew it was coming. And I think because I was ante- anticipating it so much that it, it still caught me off guard, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I, I Honestly, I can't even remember what that part was now. But... Um, but not a lot of value to this movie. The the plot was kind of the plot was pretty dumb. Yeah. Uh, I mean, why the fuck did she go to England in the first place? I, I don't know. What, why? <laughs> um, why did she take this job after it was clearly a very weird situation? It's like. Well, because I think she saw it as basically getting paid to live in their house for two weeks or however long. Yeah, but come on. <laughs> and she she starts to commit herself so deeply to this fucking doll. Like even, you know, when she, it starts to kind of affect her head and Malcolm's just like starting to see it. And he's like, okay, we need like he, he wants to take her out. He wants to take her out to the, the pub and just kind of show her what meager nightlife exists in this little village and she seems into it at some point but then uh when he tries she she bails i I can't remember exactly why but he tries to take her out again and at this point she's become so devoted to brahms that she's like i don't think we should yeah she doesn't want to leave him alone because she's her the brahms the heelshires um gave her a list of rules the weirdest fucking rules like he he has class like she, where she reads she reads to him yeah yeah and has to play this classical music really loud and um and she has to change him she has to change his clothes and she has to kiss him goodnight <laughs> so just a bunch of weird shit that any reasonable person would say ah, I'm not gonna do this <laughs> yeah maybe no but that's the thing is like he. When she starts to think that he's alive, like the part where he's sitting up on the bed, there's the the list of rules is right next to him. Mm-hmm. She just kind of thinks like maybe he's a bad spirit unless I do these rules. I have to do these rules to keep him friendly. Yeah, well, that's fine. But get get out. Just, <laughs> just leave. It's like I can understand. It's like okay, I'm getting paid to watch a fucking doll. But once the doll starts to seem like it's alive, then fuck it. Yeah, I'm, I'm bailing. 
fuck this job, fuck this doll. I'm out. Peace. I just I would just come back to the house once a week. Yeah. Wait on the porch for Malcolm, get my pay, <laughs> and then bail. Yeah. Um Yeah, this is it, a dumb story. Dumb, dumb, dumb. Dum 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 dum. Um I'm going to try and say this in a way that doesn't spoil anything. But at one point, they find another doll that's made of Greta's belongings. Right. Brahms is fucking that, right? Oh, Brahm getting his. <laughs> um, yeah. Weird. Weird. Weird wild stuff. Crazy wild stuff. <sighs> Man, this this fucking movie. <laughs> I'm glad I only paid like six dollars for it. Yeah, I didn't. I paid more. Sucker. <laughs> yeah, I went and saw this last night. Oh, did you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh I, my wife wanted to see it, which was surprising. Well, no, she's into ghost stories, so I guess it's not all that surprising, but um yeah, I mean this was a classic case of pulling punches in a horror movie because it's people. Oh for sure. 15. It's, like, for most of it, I was like, okay, I can see why this registers as a PG-13 horror, because it's mostly just kind of creepy stuff. There's not, you know, a lot of bloodshed or anything like that. But the, then there are points later where it, it is clear that punches are pulled. Uh-huh. And um, it's annoying. Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of violence in the movie, but no. later on, there there is some, and it's pretty mundane. Yeah. So... I could have gone with an R, shown some titties, shown some blood, dropped some F-bombs. Sure. Uh, Lauren, we're going for an R rating here, so we're going to need you to take your top off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I mean, that, like, like, going back to just the fact that this movie takes place in England and your main actress is English, but you have her playing an American, it's not taking anything away from Lauren Cohen. She's a great actress. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, why? Yeah. Why not cast an American? Or have her be English and say, you know, she came from another part of England yeah. and had to get away. I mean, the only thing I think of is that... <clears throat> I mean, as far as casting her, maybe that's just what they're going for. Somebody that looked like her. Maybe she's the best candidate. Whatever. I'm not a casting director. They're probably just trying to cash in off the success of Walking Dead more than anything. Right, yeah. Um, And... But, again, like you said, the fact that she's American is totally pointless. The only thing I can think of is that they made her American to draw in American... Oh, I'm sure that's why. I'm sure that's why. Yeah. Just like... uh, uh, the forest, and I mean, like it's, yeah. But the, another American girl, played by a, a Brit, but that takes place in Japan. Oh, excuse me, different. I'm just saying <laughs> it's it's weird to have a movie take place in Britain, cast a British actor, and have her play American. Yeah, it's like everything about that points to her being British. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't really have much else to say. Uh. I don't think I do either. Okay. Yeah, I mean, up until the end, this movie's pretty 
Ho hum. Yeah. Um, oh, the kid in the painting. Like they have a, a big family portrait. Yeah. That's young Freddie Highmore from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, right? It does not look like the kid in the in the photographs. It looks so much like fucking Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Freddie Highmore. Oh, okay. It's, it was like they painted it before they cast the kid, and they're like, oh, what do you want the kid to look like? I don't know. Make him look like that. <laughs> that guy. They're just watching Charlie and the Chocolate Factory at that point, and they're just, eh, look like that. <laughs> Get me him. <laughs> uh, he's like in his 20s now. He's I really said, busy on Bates Motel. I said, get me him. Um, <laughs> steal his image. Fuck it. Uh, yeah. I mean, this this really suffered kind of the same issues that the other boy movie did. In that it's so isolated. Most of the movie is just Lauren Cohen and a doll. And whereas... The other boy, um, like I said, there were huge segments of the movie where there's just zero dialogue. Um, this one, she's talking to herself a lot, and that doesn't solve the problem <laughs> because she's hanging out by herself talking to a fucking doll. But there's also points where her, like she calls her sister on the phone. Yeah. And that's <laughs> she keeps her sister pretty much every time. Like gives her shit about Cole because Cole keeps calling, and uh, you know Cole shows up at you know people's work and like demands to know where Greta is, and <clears throat> and I guess her sister's son told her where where he is or where she is, or goddamn it, he said he wanted to write her a letter, so yeah. he gave her, her gave him her address. <laughs> so he comes to fucking England. That's insane. Like, yeah, this st- dude must be batshit crazy. That's beyond stalker shit. Yeah. Like, just devil's advocate here. If I was some crazy nutcase ex-boyfriend, uh, you know, abusive, drunk, whatever. If I was stalking my ex and she left to another country, I'm like, oh. Well, that's that. Yeah. <laughs> guess time to move on with my life. <laughs> That's just because you don't have a passport. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, you know, several thousands of dollars to, you know, fly to England. That too. Anyway. So well, he, he did make a note of saying that he got a new construction job or something. In the- right. <laughs> it's like he was showing off all his monies. Yeah. He, he- Look at my vast wealth. <laughs> yeah, he... <clears throat> Gets a new construction job and then immediately leaves for England. <laughs> yeah. It's like, thanks for the job, guys. Now I'm going on vacation. Got to my celebrate. first paycheck. I'm out. <laughs> so, <clears throat> anything else to say? Uh, so, the, the other boy, the SpectreVision boy, basically, you watch it the whole time wondering, where is this going? And then it goes exactly where you think it's going. Mm. This one, you're like, I wonder where this is going. And then it goes somewhere completely different. Right. Well, like I said, like I suspected the ending was going to be something similar to that. Not exactly how it played out. I really uh, didn't know. I was, I was just like, where are they going? Yeah, like for a long time, I just, I, you know, took the movie for what it was. You know, as it was being fed to me. Mm-hmm. Then I started to suspect that there was something else, which led me to my ver- version of the ending. 
that kind of played out, but not how I thought it was going to. And we can talk about that later, but, um, yeah, but overall, I mean, it, it, uh, it wasn't, wasn't great. I enjoyed the end. The end, the end was good. Not enough to redeem the movie itself. though. No, not particularly. Um, if they, if they had like brought that out earlier, although I'm not sure where it would have gone, how they could have stretched that out over say two acts yeah. instead of just the final act. But I mean, it would have, would have made it a little more interesting, but also could have gotten tired. So I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, so that's it. That's it for me. Okay, so let's let's talk turkey. Uh hmm. I don't know. I I actually liked it more than I thought I would. I I didn't have very high hopes, just mainly because it's PG thirteen and doll horror is always something I've just kind of been like meh, whatever. Chucky man, Chucky's a he's an outlier. Um, I mean like. Like he's a he's a psycho murderous serial killing doll. I'm talking about like creepy doll shit, like fucking Annabelle and shit. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, yeah fuck off. <laughs> um, so I did like it more than I expected, but it was still, you know, most of the movie is just like, okay, this is stupid jump scare PG thirteen bullshit. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I give it a five. Okay, um, I I don't really know what I expected. You know, honestly, if we didn't do this for a show, I probably wouldn't see it. Or I wouldn't have seen it. I don't think I would have either. Yeah, I was. I had very little interest in it. And honestly, if that were the case, if we weren't doing it for the show, I mean, I guess my wife still wanted to see it. So I probably would have seen it anyway, but I, I didn't really want to. I mean, because um, I'm like you. I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not into ghost stories. I mean... Long-time listeners know that. Um, and, you know, like you said, doll stories, it's just not really appealing to me. Um, but again, you know, there are exceptions to that rule. The It seemed like it was... The technical aspects of it were pretty good. Um, you know, cinematography and... Um, you know, creating an atmosphere, like just using, there was a, an interesting use of like bright lighting, like, you know, bright light. right. Like, you know, like bright daylight, which was kind of counter to what you'd expect from a movie like this. So it kind of made, well, well, it cast like kind of this, this theme of, like you say, like Casper the Friendly Ghost, where you, you know this seemed like more of a lighthearted movie than a than a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the daylight maybe did that a little bit, but at the same time, when when the the horrific things were happening, uh, it kind of took it out of that. Um, you know, when you, when you expect these kind of things, you expect them in the dark. You don't really expect them to happen in in the light. You know. So, like, technically, it was done well. Um, Lauren Cohen, she's she's a great actress. I I, I like her work. I, I think a lot of people find her obnoxious on Walking Dead, but I, I like her. And nobody can ever be as obnoxious as Lori. <laughs> um, 
But uh, Lori, Rick's wife. Oh, what about Angela? Angela? Angela was the fucking worst. Angela was the worst. I forgot about Angela. <laughs> I retract my statement. <laughs> but um, yeah, I like Lauren Cohen. She she does well. She did well in this. Um, but the movie, just as a whole, just wasn't very good. I mean, <laughs> that's what it boils down to. Yeah. It just wasn't good. It was pretty drab and boring, and the story was kind of dumb. And the well, the ending was the kind of like the redeeming quality of the movie. It didn't really fit. Like I said, it was like a big curveball, and it's like okay, well, you just completely changed the theme of this movie. Yeah. So. Well, I can see that being a creative choice. It just, it didn't hit. I mean, I would have rather just watched the ending and not the whole movie. <laughs> um, but uh, all that being said, I think I will give this a four. You know, you know what it was like. You know when people have this really giant build-up for a sneeze? Yeah. <laughs> That's what it was like. <laughs> it's like all this build-up to get to the, the part that actually was good. Mm-hmm. All right. So before we get out of here, we are, of course, going to play plot holes. Yep. Um, so, Tony, I need an adjective. That's the list of subjects not words. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, <laughs> Adjective. <laughs> Adjective is not an adjective. <laughs> um, slimy. Adverb. I think I got this right this time. Drunkenly. You did. Hey. I need a verb. Uh, donkey punch. <laughs> and a past tense verb. Sharded. And a present tense verb ending in S. Vomits. Adjective. Honky ass. <laughs> Noun. Meatball sub. Plural noun. Genital warts. And adjective. Constipated. See, this is the educational part of the show where we teach you proper English terms. Yes. <laughs> and how to use them in everyday speech. Yeah, parts of speech. Yeah. So this is uh, Tony's rendition of The Shining. With wife Wendy and psychic, dun- psychic son Danny in tow, slimy writer Jack Torrance takes a job as the winter caretaker at the drunkenly ominous Mountain Look Mountain Locked Overlook Hotel, so that he can donkey punch in peace. Before the Overlook is vacated for the Torrances, the manager informs Jack that a previous caretaker went crazy and sharded his family. <laughs> Jack thinks it's no problem, but Danny's shining hints otherwise. Settling into their routine, Danny vomits through the empty corridors on his big wheel and plays in the topiary maze with Wendy while Jack sets up shop in a honky-ass lounge with strict orders not to be disturbed. (laughs) Danny's alter ego, Tony, however, starts warning of red rum as Danny is plagued by more blood-soaked visions of the meatball sub (laughs) and a blocked Jack starts visiting the hotel bar for a few genital warts of his own. (laughs) That's where all the hookers are. Right. Frightened by her husband's behavior and Danny's visit to the constipated room 237, Wendy soon soon discovers what Jack has really been doing in his study all day and what the hotel has done to Jack. All right. That wasn't one of our best. No. But they, you know, they can't all be winners. Can't all be winners. 
One thing before we go that I just like just remembered. Did you get the, the trailer for The Conjuring 2? I don't think so. What a piece of shit that looks like. <laughs> There's this scene where the little girl is sitting in the room and the, the walls are just covered in crosses. And one by one, they all slowly turn upside down. I'm like, oh my God, that's fucking creepy as shit. And then there's a dude that walks out of the shadows and goes, ah, like, fuck you. (laughs) You just completely ruined the setup. (laughs) You have this total, like, ominous, creepy moment. And then you ruin it with a fucking jump scare. Get out of here, James Wan. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, we knew this was going to be shit when it was announced. I mean. Yeah. Come to no surprise to anyone. A lot of people really like the first one. A lot of people are stupid. <laughs> anyway, uh, okay, so that's going to do it for this episode. Hope you guys had fun. We sure did. Eh. Well, you know, they <laughs> can't all be winners. <laughs> um, come back and check us out in a couple weeks. Uh, we're going to be reviewing... Southbound and the U.S. remake of Martyrs. Right. We are going to review Pride, Prejudice, Prejudice, and Zombies. But I saw that trailer and I went, that looks fucking awful. <laughs> um, yeah. But I I have the book, started reading it, but I like, I just, my, my time for reading it just started to kind of dwindle. But I really wanted to read it before we reviewed it, so I bought the book on uh, Audible, so I could listen to it at work or uh, on my way to work. And now I don't need to. So, <laughs> thanks. Just the, that trailer. Just like I was excited for it. I was like, "This is going to be cool. Like it's you know something new in the zombie world." And then I saw the trailer, and I was like, "Wow, that looks really bad." <laughs> oh, it looks like a fucking action adventure movie. <laughs> It looks like World War Z. That's what it looks it, like. It kind of does. like a Victorian World War Z. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So, uh, but we will be watching those movies in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Come check us again. Taylor, where can they find us? Best place to find us is at graveplotpodcast.com. Follow us on your social network of choice. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the good stuff. Uh, subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen to your podcast and leave us some reviews. Let us know. Uh, let us know how we're doing. Yeah. And if you feel like uh, you want to be part of the show, there's a contact form on our website. You can email us, or you can actually leave us a voicemail. Even if you can say what you want to say in one minute, two minutes, two minutes, <laughs> <laughs> two minutes. Uh, okay. So I gotta get out of here. I'm about to run out of parking. So uh, we'll catch you again on the flip side. <laughs> Till then. I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. This has been the Grave Plot Podcast, where we're all a little dead inside.
Cause what he does, he does so well 